happy Sunday, August 7th, also known as, also known as the Lord's Day, a day of rest. And what do we do on days of rest? We pray. Joining me in this prayer session, I got my most religious festivities friends, Brandon T. McClure. All hail the Yahucha. The Yahucha Pope himself, Ben Magnet. I actually went to a lot of bloody churches when I was overseas, so yeah, I guess I'm religious now. Oh, don't you dare! Don't you start that! Don't you? I will punch you in the face through this screen. <laughs> the the invisible fiend himself with the four mandibles, Sparks Witty. I'm so upset because I realized like right after we went into oh Ryan's gonna do the intro and then we were gone I was like shit I should have done an intro about how Ben's back from being prey on Shark Week last week. <sighs> Listen, praying was but gonna. This is good. Regardless. I like what we did. I like what we did. Do you know you got eaten by a shark last week, Ben? I got eaten by a shark last week. Did you know that's what I said. Yeah, you were eaten by a shark. No. Yeah, I told I told that all our audience that you were eaten oh. by a shark during Shark Week last week. Oh. You were the prey. I was the prey. And then it was really awkward when you showed up in the comments later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in the hospital. Yeah, because I only saw like a, a little bit and I was trying to stay awake. And I was like, I got to go to bed because it was like 11 o'clock my time when you guys were recording. Oh, yeah, that's a time. That's down. normal time for us, actually. It's just strange that it happened the other way. Yeah, yeah, because it was like, oh, God, it was like an eight hour time difference where I was. But it was, hi, guys, I missed you. I missed you too, bud. Glad yeah, you're okay. Oh well, screw you then. Uh, why why don't we why don't we hold off on your on your on your uh, week by telling some links that we have in the description? Yes, let's do that. Um, well, my screen rant stuff is in the description. A spoiler for an upcoming list because I did not publish anything this week. Um, I wrote a prey list which ranked all the Predator films seven, if you include the Indianapolis Predator films, which I did, um, and uh, uh, by Rotten Tomatoes and. Um, I'm shocked that both Alien vs. Predator films, not, not the last one, not, not Requiem, most of the second one, the first one, uh, ended up under The Predator. Mm, yeah, I don't I agree. I, I would not agree. I don't agree. I like the um, first AVP film. It's fun. Me too. I, I, I like it. I like it about on par with Predator 2, honestly. Yeah. Anyway, Were so that's... think about that? Yeah, I've been thinking <laughs> a lot about it. I love that. That third too. look, look. The third act of AVP is some of my favorite stuff with Predator and franchise, where like they just have respect between the female human and the Predator hunter, and it's like, yo, we gotta kill this queen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's I, some good, good you're right. like you're right. franchise stuff. <laughs> I also really <laughs> like, um, I also really like Grid, the alien in that in that film. Yeah, uh, that's like oh, such an yeah. iconic look for that for that that creature. I'm so into it. Yeah, the the one where who, who got trapped by the net and whose blood melted the net. Yeah, really like that. Really like that. that and also, really cool alien design has probably one of the best movie taglines. Whoever wins, we lose. That's yeah. Really good. That's, that's pretty, I, yeah. I even I have to admit, like it's pretty baller. Yeah. Um, Mag is in the description saying hello, hello sir, hey bud, um, hello sir. Um, yeah. So uh, I like I'll I'll give you Requiem. I don't think Requiem's a good movie. Right. Um, I I I think. Alien vs. Predator is, though, and I think people are too harsh on it. Um, I especially think it is... I don't like it as much as I like. I like it more than I like The Predator. I, I think, really turned on The Predator. Recently. I think Alien vs. Predator also comes at that time when like you still see both these franchises. I think this is an interesting part of what we're going to talk about with Prey also, where you still see these franchises as mostly horror-based. Yeah. And AVP is an action film. 
with yes. these with these franchise characters, not a horror movie. It's the same reason why like but it worked in AVP and it's the same reason why like Freddy versus Jason didn't work because Freddy versus Jason was also more an action film than a horror film, which just yeah. didn't make sense. Yeah. I think, I think the predator and the aliens can work in an action setting because, because some of their best movies, I mean, all the predator films and aliens are action horror hybrids. Yes. Mm -hmm. Whereas Freddy, Freddy, a nightmare on Elm street and Friday the 13th aren't, they're just horror films. Right. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, that's, I liked that. That was fun. That was a fun thought to go down, Sparks. Thank you. I remember I was beyond hyped for AVPR because they're like, we're back to rated R. So much violence. The, the, they showed a red band trailer for its first trailer. And like one of the kills was like, ah, oh, we're back, baby. And then I couldn't see the movie at all for three yeah. an hour and a half. And I'm like, who, who allowed this? Predator 2. And I'll talk about it. I'll talk more about Predator 2 when we talk about Prey. But like Predator 2 has a really good kill that I was so into. And it's not the want some candy. That's good. That's very good. Um, but it's the it's the one where like the voodoo doctor gets killed. And it's just like you just see the standoff. And then you just cut to the guys screaming. And then it's the severed head walking into the ship. That's pretty good. Check out our Yaucha franchise discussion some time ago. I think oh, when I the Predator know. came out. It was like yeah. four or five years ago at this point. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while. I should have linked that below, but that's Friday available. Warm. Check it, check it out. Um, anyway, back to this. I, I did uh, an Infinity Saga uh, piece was published this week. I'd written that before I left, and it was just published. So there's not a new one for a bit. I apologize, but this one is about one of, if not my favorite moment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is the the after party, which is the just the the Avengers just drinking together at trying to lift thor's hammer mm -hmm. i think that is an incredible moment and i think it is an important moment one of the uh, just a moment that i lament that we never got more of mm -hmm. um so i wrote about that that's up that's that's like below you can check that out if it was closer to when i wrote it i had more to say but it's been a couple weeks and then grayson live has two videos that ben magnet did while he was gone uh uh so this is 51, the finale of your run of yep. uh, Super Mario World, 3D yep. World. Mm -hmm. And then you did a blackjack. But you weren't here to talk about the six episodes that were published no. while we were kind of off, uh, some which uh, led up to this. So if you want to talk about any of those, go ahead. Um, well, I'm trying to remember exactly what we were talking about in those episodes, to be perfectly honest, because mm. my brain's been shut off from all work stuff um well the past few weeks so what i do remember is like we talked a little bit about like um we talked about final fantasy a little bit we talked about um why i started base arcade pause menu and i want to say with the, the blackjack one i told him about how i how i started playing blackjack when i would go to like casinos or like to vegas and laughlin and how i technically started gambling illegally because i was technically underage and yet i won money and then when i gambled as a legal adult i lose money so that's a weird paradigm shift they took pity uh, on you. it's like yeah kids don't gamble underage that's illegal um and real yeah, quick but that's yeah, really funny the, i've never been to vegas but my grandparents took me to laughlin when i was underage and that's basically old person vegas it is uh so i also gambled illegally until someone came up to me and was like can i see your id oh i left it in my room i'll be right back and then i, I did do you back. remember the hugh jackman show viva laughlin no i remember seeing commercials about it yes viva yeah laughlin. sparks knows who i'm talking about it's a it's a remake of a british show called blackpool 
like David Tennant. Um, it's a it's a kind of a jukebox musical, but they play the song. It's like karaoke musical. They play the song and then they sing with the song as it's playing. Uh, okay. Hugh Jackman had a guest star appearance in the first episode because he was a producer on it. Oh, it's, it's quite bad. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, Laughlin is just like Laughlin is where you go when you're too old for Vegas. So it's one of those. It's one of those shows that got killed very quickly, and you're kind of like, quickly. yeah, that yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Blackpool was a six-part miniseries that David Tennant was a part of. That's that's all right. That's pretty good. Nice. But yeah, um, I am also happy to say that that's not the last time me and Grace are going to hang out and do more stuff. So more stuff's coming in the future. Woo! Yeah, you guys. Uh, you talked about what you talked about, but you didn't talk about what the videos were uh the, your your last two videos were you two uh trying to beat bowser, bowser yeah that is a cat like cat bowser is the yep. final boss of that yeah. right cat bowser is the final boss yeah good 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 series uh good job ben thank you uh that's everything so why don't we let ben talk about his trip to europe all right i didn't know i was gonna go first i thought i was gonna go last so uh nope Ah, uh, man. So as you guys know, um, the day before I left, I got sick with COVID, which sucks because I missed like a good chunk of it. So I wasn't able to go to Disneyland Paris. I wasn't able to enjoy to enjoy all, all that. Fanny did, though. So she she said, um, apparently the roller coasters in Disneyland Paris are awesome. Like Space Mountain is the best Space Mountain. Uh, Phantom Manor is 10 times scarier. They have the best Big Thunder Railroad. Wait, Phantom Manor? Yeah, that's their, that's their version of Haunted Mansion. They call it the Phantom Manor. It's Haunted in Mansion. so it's based it's in their frontier land, and it ha, it has a storyline where the whole thing is set in like a um an abandoned like the the guy who owned Big Thunder Manor or Big Thunder Mountain, the gold mine there. That's his manor, and mm-hmm. stuff went bad, and he, the house is cursed, and there's more. like a yeah, and there's like a bride who was um. There's like a bride who was supposed to get married, but her husbands keep dying before they can take their vows. So she's haunting the, the house. That sounds awesome. I yeah, really I, I, this. This sounds great. No, I was watching, um, when I was homesick, I was watching a lot of stuff on Disney+. Plus. I watched the first Evangelion movie, and I was watching a lot of Behind the Attractions, because a lot of the attractions, because an episode of Behind the Attraction, they just they don't just talk about the one attraction they talk about it in all the disney parks Mm -hmm. so i was trying to vicariously experience disneyland paris through that and they talked about the phantom man there they talked about on their space mountain because you know discovery land is there is paris's version of tomorrowland and it's all steampunk jules verne style but apparently it's really cool and i was also very bitter because their avengers campus just opened up and they have flight force which is the best ride there yeah french captain america uh That's they have captain so they, have, they have french iron man but uh um carol danvers speaks english so when i was mm-hmm. i was watching on fanny's instagram because iron man is speaking in french but carol danvers who's played by brie larson is speaking in english so you got that little parallel but it is funny because when they go on the web slingers tom holland is speaking french that's cool. because there's a mask they can well this is the this is the same with the <clears throat> ant-man ride in hong kong is uh Evangeline Lily and Paul Rudd are speaking English because huh. you can see them, and mm-hmm. then uh, the the Doctor character that they've put in is speaking Mandarin, and so is um, Iron Man. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, for even for Web Slingers, because the the opening part of Web Slingers where you see Tom Holland not in a mask, he's still speaking French. Oh, so I don't know. 
So we so I don't, don't know have... if they dub over him or if that's actually him speaking French. I have no idea. So so the rides they have there are web slingers and what's the what's the flight, flight force? force flight force and we don't have flight force we just have web slingers we Correct. have web slingers and technically guardians is guardians technically our second ride I thought we would have another ride in Avengers Campus uh, there's still supposed to be one more ride there's a big uh, Avengers ride that's supposed to it that one is supposed to be a universal ride in the uh-huh. sense of all the Avengers campuses at all the parks will have this Avengers ride. Uh-huh. But it hasn't been finished for any of the parks yet. But it's a, you know that big building at the front of Avengers mm-hmm. Campus, like where they're where they're standing on usually when yeah. they're doing the photos and all that. It's supposed to be in that building. Oh, okay. Um, so there's going to be a ride eventually in that building. That's my understanding. Okay. okay. And so so Orlando has does Orlando have web slingers also? Orlando doesn't have Avengers Campus. No. no, Orlando has the... Oh, right, no, Orlando just opened an Epcot, the new Guardians ride. Right? Yes, the yeah. new Guardians ride in Epcot, but Orlando will not, at least at the for the time being, will not have an Avengers campus. Yeah. Avengers ain't going to Florida. Well, the Avengers are already in Florida. It's technically Marvel Superhero Island at Universal's Islands of Adventure. That's yeah. true. But that's why it's not a Disney here. Exactly, yeah. Um. So it's it's Disney Paris, Hong Kong... um, And California that have the Avenger... Tokyo, um, right, Tokyo and... Tokyo? I want to say there's only three. No, I I thought it was only Hong Kong, Paris, and us. You keep talking, and I'm going to look it up. I wonder if you know the Avengers in Tokyo. Either either way, to say I was a little bit bitter is a bit of an understatement. But luckily, I was able to get over it. I tested negative, so I was able to safely travel from LA to London. I was able to make it for a good majority of the trip. So I was still able to go overseas and enjoy it. Um, I have to say, on the flight there, I did watch a few on the flight there and back. Uh, Brandon, you were not wrong about the bad guys. I watched the bad guys on the plane. It's good. That is, that is an amazing movie. Yeah, oh right? my gosh! I saw it was available for me to watch. I'm like, I'm gonna go ahead and watch because I watched. I rewatched uh, Spider Man. I rewatched Sonic the Hedgehog. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna give the bad guys a shot. And I'm watching this. I'm like, damn, this is great. That, I love, I that love opening Sam shot. Marvel. That opening shot is going around on Twitter. It's great. And it's it actually really impressive. And I was watching that movie and I, was, and I turned to Zara and I go, oh my God, this could be good. <laughs> because the trailers I, suck. The trailers are yeah, terrible. I completely wrote that movie off. But then the more, why I find, because I remember you were saying how good of a movie it was. And there was, there it was on the plane. I'm like, you know, I'm finally going to give this a watch. Oh my God, this movie was great. So yeah, you're 100% right. right. The movie's great. Um, another movie I finally saw, but I want to watch it again because it was edited for the cursing, was Game Night. Oh, oh have you that's a radar movie. movie. Yeah, it's a radar movie, but for some reason, my, the, on my flight back from London to Calgary, because I had a layover over Calgary, uh, WestJet decided to heavily edit Game Night, but the other movie I watched, Ford v. Ferrari, wasn't edited. But uh, Game Night's amazing. I was laughing my ass off. I definitely want to rewatch it with all the actual swearing instead of them saying cheese and crackers or mother trucker, every other word. How is that profitable for Frito-Lay, Ben? <laughs> I don't know. Greatest line a... in a movie. <laughs> oh, Triple I didn't know. I didn't know Jesse Plemons was in that movie, and he plays. I forgot how good of a, of a he was an antagonist, but he was just so creepy in that movie. So the, the 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 Faberge egg sequence yeah. plays in my mind all the time. But my favorite my favorite gag is when they're trying to get the bullet out of Jason out of Jason uh, Bateman, and they're just like. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Their their chemistry together is I love Rachel McAdams and, and Jason Bateman together. They have great chemistry on screen. Oh that was no, such a... he died. 
Um, so yeah, those are the movies I saw on the plane that I'd never seen before that I finally did. So you yay. saw you saw Ford v Ferrari. That's a pretty good movie. I like that yeah. one a lot. Oh, I I really enjoyed Ford v Ferrari. That was a yeah. really good one. So <sighs> London or England, it is. I gotta say, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I'm not gonna talk about the entire trip because there was still so much. A lot of pictures are up on my Instagram page. You can go check that out. But I want to talk specifically about walking down Abbey Road. Hmm. That was one of the things I wanted to do because I only had about a half day in London because I missed the first full day. But we were able to make it out there. I walked down it. I even have the little keychain that says I walked the crossing. I did the I did the picture. I ha- I have some souvenirs and. It was, it was kind of surreal walking down where John, Paul, George, and Ringo did. Because the studio was right there. The studio has a bunch of graffiti on the outside walls. Um, and actually, there, was, there wasn't a huge crowd there. Because when we were walking, one of the people in our group was saying that, yeah, I did this before. And there's probably going to be a big crowd. There's a lot of traffic. So we have to be careful of the traffic because the, the locals hate it when people do this. It wasn't Man. that bad. I can imagine living on that road and just being like fucking tourists. Yeah. Pretty, hate much. You Beatles. pretty much. But thankfully, I mean, there wasn't a stoplight, but there was times where there was no cars going out. And then the other people who were there to take the, the famous photo walking down the street, they were watching. And when a car would come, they would yell car and we would all scatter. I feel, I feel like don't live on Abbey road. If yeah. I don't want to have to deal with that tourism thing, or at least like, live close to the like I mean, you can live, live on Abbey on... Road. You just have to live further, o- the farther away from the studio you are, the safer you are. It's kind of like people who live on golf courses and get mad that golf balls hit their houses. Sometimes I'm like, well, yeah. you know, don't live on a golf course. After a while, this is a you problem. <laughs> yeah, I right? like something uh, about Abbey Road. Uh, I uh, you can't just go and visit it. You have to do. A, you actually have to pay for a tour. Yeah, you have to pay, for, but luckily the gift shop is open. Like the gift shop's open to the public, so you can, we can go buy something for a place you can't visit. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. Cross I, the I looked. Yes, I no, looked at the yeah. crossing from a distance of about <laughs> fifty feet. Yeah, so I mean, for, it's all forced perspective. I did. I wasn't actually on the crosswalk. We made it look like I was. Like you know, like holding the Eiffel Tower. God, that'd be really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I got to go on the crosswalk. Um, I also got to see the Houses of Parliament for about 20 minutes because we didn't have a whole lot of time in uh, London. But the thing I got to see... Was V there? What's up? Was V there? Going to destroy Parliament? No, I didn't see V. I saw the clock tower, though. Big Is that set in the past now? Technically, yes, I think. I don't know. Maybe it is. Anyway, sorry, Ben. Yeah, uh, but the other thing I saw that was really cool was the same day. Well, before we got to London, was you can't really see, but I saw Stonehenge. This is my little mini model that I got from Stone. Oh, from that's actually site. really adorable. Yeah, what no, the what the what, it, what is a Stonehenge? Stone. I don't know. It's just a bunch of stones in the ground. Um, I love it because when we went, I love how when we got to like the site, um, our tour guide said, "Hey, spoiler alert, we still don't know why it's there." We don't know what it's for. We don't know oh, what it is. All right, I don't, I don't know how Vendetta, that's a spoiler. V for Vendetta is set in 2020. We're two years. We're two years out from it. Oh, oh no, <laughs> we made it. We did it, guys. Yeah, we did it. Um, yeah, seeing Stonehenge was pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. Seeing this like this national monument that's been standing for millions of years or thousands, of millions of years, however long. I'll also, say probably I, thousands. 
Yeah, probably thousands. But even then, we also go. We went to uh, a bunch. You don't of know why the dinosaurs build Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> just, just they're all there's chairs. <laughs> yeah, see, seeing Stonehenge was. I'm not gonna lie. Seeing Stonehenge was really cool to because you know we we see it on TV all the time, but to actually see it live and in person, it's like, man, this is a, like a marvel of the ancient world. How these people were able to, how this civil, how the people who were here before were able to make the, this monument into what it was and it's still mostly standing thousands or thousands of years later is still a testament to like this is pretty cool it is um, it is one of those things you're like what's going on here y'all for real <laughs> yeah like i don't <laughs> believe in like ancient aliens like i believe like aliens far away but i'm like what's really going on with all these big rocks come on i mean the are... world has a good explanation it's a it's you know it's all about like making convergence things i don't remember what he was uh, saying stephen stephen king has a really interesting little comic that's based off stonehenge it doesn't take place actually in stonehenge but it uses the idea of a long-standing stone coliseum like that uh to like that's how you slip out of reality and uh, and like an alternate uh demon uh connects with you and takes over um that's cool <laughs> i just think that's neat can you pull up grayson's comment i think it's funny yeah, oh, yeah. grayson grayson live in the comment hello sir hey grayson Oh, the dino's first attempt at Domino is not very successful. Yeah, we perfected Domino's after that. Yeah, yeah so then uh, you saw you saw Big Ben. I did. I saw Big Ben. Um, that was really cool to see, you know, like am being... I am I misremembering or was that like one of the things like I I got to see Big Ben? No, that was one of the things I wanted to see. OK, why? Because his name's Ben. Yeah. Is that really it? It really is. Jesus. Um, Listen, I, there was a restaurant called Ryan's that I refused to go to because I feel like they would just be like, wow, your name's Ryan. And, and that was not the case at all. They didn't care about me. I, I was talking to <laughs> – that's a pretty good story. I I was talking to my mother about it, and I was like, yeah, he was, like, really excited to go see Big Ben. And we were both kind of mystified because it's a clock. And yeah. we were just kind of like, what – what? I've seen clocks. I've what? And it's like – I was like – and, and my mom was like, is it because his name is Ben? Like, that can't be it. It's got to be more. So I, like you're like, clock aficionado. you're like, is it because he loved the the Disney Peter Pan so much? And that's like a focal yeah. point of the opening. Like, oh, I just really want to go there and see it. No, <laughs> no his name's Ben. ben. <laughs> Do you love Benjamin Franklin? I mean, I love the $100 bill. Well, that's just good. Who does it? You got me there. You got me there. <laughs> okay. I mean, besides the fact that, because when I was a kid, my parents used to joke that I was named after the clock tower, even though I know it's not because the full name is technically Big Bentley. But, and they just oh, call it Bentley. Yeah. I only know that because what? of close too. Big Bentley sounds like a porn star name. Wait, did you just say you only know that because of Cars 2? Yeah, Michael Caine says it when the, him and Mater are stuck inside the clock tower. I was like, oh, that's the full name. All right. Oh, that's can't be. That's not real. Bentley's a car. There's no way it's actually called Big Bentley. Uh, or maybe not. Either, either way. <laughs> Ben Ben taking cars to jokes. No way! To be I have to believe that too. <laughs> Either way. Okay, okay. It's not. It's called Elizabeth Tower. Uh, it's not even called Ben. <laughs> Who's ben? ben? Why is he so big? <laughs> okay, I, Big Ben I, is the I, name given to the massive bell inside the clock tower, which weighs more than thirteen. It's, it's not, not even the even clock. clock. It's oh, the bell. Hell. I'm so okay. glad that this happened. Ben went there and learned nothing about it. He's like, I want nope. to see it because it's, it's called Big Ben. Literally, literally, I only went 
literally because we don't, I only had like half a day in London. I only had half a day. I wasn't even able to see any of my Bro, friends. We, we, no time to read. <laughs> no, I literally, we got off, we got off the, the train. I looked up, I saw the clock tower. We went on the bridge. We took a photo. We left. You've I just imagine more about Big Ben. The train. I gotta get to Big Ben. <laughs> You've learned more about Big Ben in these past thirty seconds yeah, than you did in London. Yeah, I have spent my whole life gonna... thinking the clock was named Big Ben when it's actually a bell. <laughs> and her I mean, name now it kind of that the Big Ben thing is a, was a joke. Well, I'm a fucking idiot. And I'm, gonna, anyway. I'm gonna be thinking about the Big Ben leaving for a long time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how many people have you told that it's called Big Ben leaving? That's what I want to know. No, only you guys. Everybody only on the train. And who, only you guys and whoever's in the chat. I have. He's he's just in, on a bus in London, so you know it was called Big Bentley. No, thankfully I didn't say that. Um, I'm so happy. This is great. Oh, oh great. Yep, Grace. Oh, Grayson, uh, pull up Grayson's comment. I'll pull it up. Thank you so much. Oh my god, but but yeah. Um, I mean, besides the fact that we share a, the same name, I did want to see the tower because it's the biggest mon or one of the biggest monuments in London, and I wanted I wanna... to see it. Because I want to see it from my own eyes. Because you know, you always see it on TV, you always see it in movies everywhere. But to see it live, it it was something else. It was really cool to see. I wanna I wanna bring up Grayson's other comment that you didn't bring up, and I want everyone to see this. So technically, Ben still hasn't seen Big Ben. If that's the name of the bell, lol. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Big Ben <sighs> was completed in 1859. That's a fun fact. Sorry, Elizabeth Tower. Sorry, Dial Bell. I don't know. Any, about anyways. One of the coolest things about England, I have to say, as England as a whole, not the fact that I went and saw a, super, a clock tower and you guys are going to give me shit for it for the rest of my life, I can already tell, was how ancient the country was. Mm -hmm. We were in abbeys. We were in this place called Belfast, uh, um, Buckfist Abbey that was built in 1056 or something around there. It was built in the 11th century. And a lot of the churches we went to were built in like the 11th, 12th or 13th centuries. And they're still standing. There was this, um, this place in Exeter, Exeter, England, where it actually had tombs, like gravestones along the walls and those, and those, uh, uh much call it. And they had actual memorial tombs where they carved the person's likeness on top of the grave. Catacomb. Yeah, cool. essentially, like the whole level felt like an Elden Ring catacomb, to be perfectly honest. Or the whole yeah, church felt like an Elden Ring catacomb. That's like legitimately one of the only reasons. Like, I would love to visit other countries to see, you know, beautiful vistas and like the culture, but like, I want to see architecture that's not like 100 to 300 years old because all of America is not that old. And yeah. I would love to see, like, wow, this thing was built like a thousand years ago. Holy shit. Like, yeah. that's like, that's incredible. It's awesome. Yeah, I was in a church that was built when the Romans were there. I was, we went to um, Tentagil, England, which is where allegedly the legend of King Arthur was born. Mm -hmm. And Brandon, I got you something from there. So let me know what your mailing address is so I can send it to you. It's a one, two, three, go F yourself. Oh, okay. That's I'll take it if he doesn't want it, but I'm not going to tell you it on air. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was really, it was, I was really bummed because we were only in that town for an hour. Wait, don't and... you have my address? I just, I think I, yeah. You've been to my house. I have been to your house. Yeah. I'll look, I, I'll, I'll, I don't know your address. Anyway, you. well, I definitely need his because uh, when I asked you guys if anyone wanted anything specific from England, Ryan told me very specifically that he wanted the queen. Oh my God, did you kidnap the queen and she's what? behind us and we can't see What's her? What's right about now? to happen? <laughs> yes. yes. 
Man, you just made me so happy. <laughs> oh Don't God. worry. This isn't the only thing I got you, Ryan. I got you something else, too. I would have taken that regardless. Before, no, no, you're, you're going to get – this is just a postcard. I got you something else, too. It's, a little, it's, a, little, that, uh, it's a little trinket, but it, it does have her face on it. So I got you the queen, Ryan. Before he did that, I – because this is a predator, you know, discussion. I was gonna say he's just gonna pick up the queen's head, <laughs> like just hold it up, like, fine and all. <laughs> I brought you the queen. Boy, this man, this has been this has been the best nonsense section in a I long guys, time. I want you guys to know that ever since we did our last five year special, I have a note where I'm keeping track of certain things that happen in episodes for future oh, no. trivia things. Oh no. And I promise you what just happened is in that trivia. Yes. I will never forget getting big Bentley. Yes. I, also, I got all three of you guys a little something from England. Um, I want you to fun. know, I want you to know, Ben, thank you. I sent Sparks a text telling him to send this entire exchange to Michael. Oh, I'm oh, going to no. tell him all about it after. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. London was absolutely gorgeous. England itself as a country was was absolutely stunning. We went to coastal towns. We went to, we saw the Atlantic. We saw so many gorgeous. Um, Do you have beans on toast? Beans on toast? Do you have beans on toast in the morning? No, but I did have fish and chips. And oh man, the food was amazing. I worked at a place that's so good. Ben, you were, you were talking about um, like the, the, ancient feeling of of the town yeah. did you walk over a lot of cobblestone roads i walked over one and that was in exeter not how, a whole lot how was no. it did it roll your ankles a lot no it, i mean it wasn't technical cobblestone but it was like stone road oh, and okay. our, even our tour guide was saying about how annoying it is to fix those type of roads because yeah i mean it's a historical landmark they can't really change it they have to like make it as is mm-hmm but oh man, it, it's like it definitely. You know that those um those flip flops where they're supposed to massage your feet as you walk on them. Uh huh. Think that, but more intense. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I've heard. Is like they're they're they they can be quite awful to walk over for like especially for long periods of time. Oh oh yeah. Thankfully we we're thankfully it was only for a small little for a small little bit, and then we were able to go onto more flat surface. Um. But yeah, you can definitely feel how ancient and how just to how fantastical England, even just in a normal town. I was on the train to meet up with Fanny and the tour guide, and there's this town called Bath. That That's what it's called. It's famous because they have the Roman baths that the Romans built. And just when my train rolled up into Bath, I just looked out. It looked like a medieval town. And there are still buildings from medieval times, from the 16th century, that are still standing. Oh. And it was... The whole time I felt like I was in a fantasy movie. I felt like I should have been walking around in an armor with a sword on my hip the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Fanny, <laughs> thank you, thank you, honey. Um, Fanny was just saying Elden Ring. Like the whole time we were seeing these grand statues, or these grand churches, or these grand spires, or even the castles. I got to go inside a place called Dunster Castle that was originally built as a fortress, and then it turned into a family home in the twenties. And the outside looks absolutely stunning. I'm like, this is freaking Elden Ring. I am walking into a literal Elden Ring level right now, and it's gorgeous. Bro, you're you right. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see. Oh, it's going to be hard. No, that's straight up like like forest with castles and shit. You can't see with the green yeah. screen. No, that's awesome. Um, cool. Yeah, it's it was absolutely stunning. Um, I can't wait to go back. I was super thankful that I was even able to go in the first place because, I, yeah, I was sick the first half. I was sick essentially the first half, but 
when I wasn't actually able to make it, it was absolutely stunning. And the people were there very kind. They were really nice, actually. And then and obviously they picked up on the accents and they're like, hey, so where are you guys from? I was like, oh, we're from Los we're from California. And they're like, oh, are you here on a holiday? And like, yep, we're here and just enjoying our vacation. I was gonna make a bad joke, like, do they speak English over there? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, so I mean a whole bunch of photos are up on my Instagram. There it was truly a it was truly an amazing trip, and I am so happy I was able to make that journey. And I, I got to go back. I, there are so many things out there I wasn't able to see. There's so many places I still want to go up in Northern England and even in Scotland. Um, or France. But, yeah, France as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was an amazing, <laughs> amazing trip. And also the whole time I was there, I was like, I need to find a gift shop because I really wanted to get right an action figure to clean, <laughs> and I couldn't find one, and I was pissed. But truly, I did find a McQueen, so here you go. Thank you, sir. I'm truly excited to get her in. in. I was about to say to get that queen in my bedroom, but that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> in <Indubitably. Well. laughs> Also, a lot of dogs in England, too. Like, a lot oh, yeah. of people were walking their dogs, and a lot of places were open so you can bring your dogs inside. It was, it was so chill. All right, well, one more quick thing. So my first night there, I uh, was in the city of Bristol, and... Fanny and I had some free time to ourselves. I'm like, you know what? I want to do something for Oracle for Fusion. And I found an arcade. I found an arcade in Bristol called Four Quarters. And of course, the English currency there is the English pound for their bills and pence for their coins, right? And we walk in there and I'm looking around at the arcade machines. They have a lot of great arcade machines. They have um, they have consoles downstairs. And I'm looking around. I was like, wait a minute. These things take quarters? And we're talking to a local. He's like, "Yeah, these things, these things, we take American quarters here." It's like, "We don't have American quarters." He's like, "Well, where are you from, America? Why don't you have American quarters?" It's like, "I'm in another country, dude." That's so interesting. That's really we strange. found a bar called Four Quarters that you can pay, um, like, like you can tell him, "Like, hey, I want ten pounds worth of American quarters," and they'll give you like twelve dollars in American quarters or something like that. Interesting. They'll like do an exchange rate and they'll give you American chorus so you can play on the arcade machines. That's sure. super that's really funny and cool. Yeah. And it's almost like like our coin is actually like a token over there. Almost. Yeah. Cause like you wouldn't expect to you actually need American money in another country. Nope. Uh, that's that's actually pretty cool. Oh no, I'm really that? glad I'm really glad that it needs quarters because if it was called four quarters and it didn't take quarters, I'd be like, What? Yeah, what are we do six <laughs> pence doesn't sound quite as good. <laughs> yeah. Still, it was it was still a bit of a culture shock because there were times where they're like, "Okay, cool, here's like one pound," and they gave me a coin, and it's a one pound coin. I'm like, "You guys don't have a one pound note?" Like, no, the lowest we go is five. So they have a one pound coin and a two pound coin. That's as five as they go. And then if you need three pounds, well, either just give them one and two or good luck. (laughs) We know math. I don't like the. I'm glad we don't do a major coin system because I don't want a bunch of change in my pocket. Yeah, there's. Yeah, I still have I still have quite a bit of pence left, but other than that, England was amazing. Had an absolute blast, and yeah, can't wait to go back. Welcome back, sir. Who wants well to go next? Vacation. Uh, I will. I only have three things I want to talk about. <clears throat> I didn't. I didn't have a ton of time for a lot of stuff. I'm still catching up on Shark Week and all that, but I did finish Hunter Hunter, which I talked about last week. Um, I'm gonna talk about a little bit more. Um, oh. Cause I'm done with it and I don't want to spoil. Yes. Sir. Uh, one more thing. I, I caught up on spy family when I was sick. Cool. I watched like the, all the way up to episode 12 of spy family. And that show's amazing. I love it. That's oh, a yeah. really good show. Spy family is really good. It is. It really is. 
so Hunter Hunter, I finished it and I just want to talk about they found a very incredible way in the writing to have a very important big villain, very powerful, essentially get taken off of the board without anybody ever actually like they they don't just like make this villain strong. They make it like literally nobody on the planet can beat this person. That's how strong this person has become. They have become so strong, nobody will ever beat them. And you're like, man, how are they going to get out of this one? And they found a way to take the person off the board without ever breaking the rule that they were, in fact, the most powerful thing on the planet. Hmm. And, like, nobody nobody ever gets stronger and surpasses them. Like, they, they found a very good, emotional, powerful way to end the story without anybody ever actually surpassing them. And as far as the world is concerned, they're pretty much the pinnacle of power. And probably nobody in the future will ever top it either. Like, it's it's ultimately, like, practically invincible. And I'm very impressed with how they found a way to do that. I don't yeah. want to spoil how, but I was I was shocked. Shocked. That's really cool. Uh, I just, I just, you don't see that a lot in Shonen, where they find a way to be like, you know... We have told you this is how like power scaling kind of works, and like you know, there's there's ranges and everything. But this person is the top, the top top. Like it's not it's not just like oh man, we really gotta figure this. Out. It's it's insurmountable. One Punch Man, and it'll stay that way, <laughs> right? But you don't usually get it with a villain, and like yeah, I, you know, I just mean like he can't be beat. Yeah, well, and it's just, yeah, you it's have just... this idea with like because I know you 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 mentioned Dragon Ball as a bit of a comparison last week. But like, if there's a stronger villain, Goku will get stronger and beat him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and that's just kind of how the show works. But this, this is, very is much, really interesting. This is very much if, if in the Majin Buu arc of Dragon Ball, if Majin Buu had just stayed completely unbeatable, mm-hmm. and then the way that it was resolved was because Hercule made him his best friend. Oh yeah. And that's how it was de-escalated. But nobody ever actually beat Boo or became more powerful than Boo. That's yeah. kind of what it's like. It's it's as if, well, nobody ever actually was able to beat this person. <laughs> um, uh, Austin Austin Walker, who I know you follow. Spark, yeah, I've seen it too. He tweeted something about like, hey, I heard that the Chimera Ant arc is wild, but like this scene is truly insane and it's just like one of the villains like explaining shit and there's like it's not grass. it's not a it's it's not a villain it's, it's uh, a villain? okay it, no it's uh it's it's going to be it's like uh it's he is a, another nen user that um gone and kill need to prove they can beat him in order to go on the mission because gotcha. otherwise they're not they're not up to the task and this is one of those times where i reference like they fail uh they do fail to beat him and they don't get to go on the mission they are not deemed qualified at the time um so it's very very cool um that they do stuff like that it was it was just it's like uh it's him explaining like the different power levels and like our main character is just like being overwhelmed and like steam's coming out of his ears and nose and like this is this is a lot to uh, to unpack yeah really funny yeah um super great show highly recommend it it is unfortunate that um the manga is not done so the anime stops it stops with an open ending it's like a it's it's a nice ending point but it it's there's a lot of loose strings still out there mm-hmm. um and they're very clear about that they didn't try to find their own way to an ending they were just like these things are still out there mm-hmm. um hopefully one day the manga will finish and the anime will also be picked up back up and finished um but a solid solid venture i really enjoyed myself thoroughly with it um just 
very very different kind of writing for shonen characters than you usually see it it kind of zigs where a lot of the tropes zag mm-hmm. um i only had time really for two games this week and i spent most of it with multiverses and multiverses Same. is real cool and the one game and like i could just sing its praises more but it's is woo woo multiverses guys real quick i just uh, want to say one thing that i do want to expand on <clears throat> still a great game um i think the free to play model is excellent because I always feel like even though I've done the battle pass, I'm always earning gold every single match. So I can clearly see it will take me a while, but I can unlock every single character for free. Every single one. It will take you many hours, but it is entirely free to play in the best model. Uh, I think it's business models insane. Uh, Like just like Fortnite, I am going to be spending too much money on this game because I want to support the hell out of it. It is such a good game where it's just like, I have nothing left to do, but I'm still playing the game. Because I've done all the missions for the season and yada yada, but like it's the gameplay is just so good. I I I just want to play this game all the time. Right. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Um. I I think that 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 model of free to play works very well. That you can unlock the characters just by playing the game. I think is is a really well made decision. Um. Nobody's locked behind a paywall. Not not as a playable character. Um. And that they let you try anything out before you you do spend your in-game currency on it um, because you can take any character, any variant, anything into the lab, um, even if you haven't unlocked it and test it out and see if you like it before you put anything into it, whether that's actual money or, or in-game currency. Um, so yeah, really great. Really like multiverses. Can't wait for you guys to touch it. Um, but I played another game um, just a little bit, very, very much like two and a half hours, I think total time with it. Um I got into the closed network test for Dragon Ball The Breakers. Oh. For those who don't know, Dragon Ball The Breakers is the kind of Dead by Daylight style game for Dragon Ball, which is a wild concept. Uh, I think it's very bold to try. The execution is is okay. Um, Bordering on not great. Um, This is the Xenoverse team. Um, So all of the mechanics are... A Xeno- this is essentially a Xenoverse spinoff, if I'm honestly. So the the premise when you start the game is that Trunks from Xenoverse, the Time Patroller, has uh, saved you from being ripped into a temporal scene where um, the villains are attacking you. So you've been ripped out of your own time into this environment. And they don't know why it's happening to the people it's happening to, and they're trying to figure that out. So they take you to a new building area in Tokitoki City, Um, and they are trying to figure out why these temporal seams are happening and how to prevent them because they will just appear and suck you in. Uh, and you'll, you'll have to find your own way to escape back to Toki Toki city. That is the premise essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and where you are in your hub of your offshoot in that city is where you can pick your gear, do all that stuff, sign up for matchmaking. Um, so the way the system works is that It seems to be if you select your priority, uh, sorry, if you select your preference, so, oh, I want to be a villain, right? Which is called a raider. Mm -hmm. Uh, You will not get it on the first time you select it. The way that it works is that you have to play a match and then you get a priority ranking of one. If you play another match, you get a priority ranking of two. Somewhere in two or three because you've played two or three matches as a citizen, you'll get to play a raider. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to earn the raider, which I think is their way of making sure because 
it requires more citizens than Dead by Daylight does. It requires seven Ooh. for a match. A Wait, lot. that's a lot. Yeah, so you have eight total players because it requires seven survivors. Um, frankly, almost not enough. Uh, and uh, it requires seven survivors. So I think that's to make sure that there's always enough survivors for people to be playing the game. So I think this is actually pretty smart. I understand where it can be frustrating if you hop in, you want to play a match as a villain right away. You can't. Um, but I do think the priority system works. Where it failed me is the first time I finally got a raider. Once I got in, I scurried around for a little bit, and then the game was over because every all the survivors had quit. Hmm. And that was my raider match. So I won, but I didn't get to do anything. And then I went back to priority level zero. So that sucked. And it took me a while to get back to being a raider again to try it. Yeah. So that's a bummer. Um, but I do think like something that I think they're probably going to do is uh, issue punishments for canceling in a match like mid-match. Like you can back out earlier, but not in the match. Mm -hmm. um, that would make sense because that, that was a bummer. That just threw away my raider match um, at first. <clears throat> Let's see. I want to touch on that the raiders are too strong. They just are. Uh, mm -hmm. And really what it comes down to is one main thing. It's just too damn hard to get around the terrain. Um, the map is big, uh, as it should be. You are essentially playing, if you played Xenoverse, you're playing essentially those same mechanics. You just don't have special abilities. Mm -hmm. um, but the moveability, your character model, all that kind of stuff is very Xenoverse similar. Um, the map is just really big, and you can't fly. And there are vehicles and stuff that you can find, and there's a... Um, grappler that you have equipped but it has a cooldown so you can grapple across the map but you can only do that like you gotta use that well because sometimes you need it for escape and you have a cooldown on it for about 45 seconds so the raider can is you know sell or frieza or boo and they can just fly mm -hmm. and go anywhere and it's just too damn hard to get around the map um as a survivor around them. I, are there I, cars or, or, or <clears throat> bikes or something you can jump on? There are. You, yes, okay. you can. But you have to find them. That's the yeah. thing. You know, like they're not immediately in your vicinity. So you have to find them. And, and finding them can be hard. You don't have a way to know where those vehicles are. Um, so there's like capsule bikes that you can find and things like that. You can, when the shop is like fully up and running, purchase them. So you have a bike like right off the bat and you can throw it down and travel. Like that's great. But like you won't have that all the time. Um, my general experience is I lost most of the matches I played as a survivor. I won one. I escaped one successfully. <clears throat> um, and I, I won both matches that I played as a Raider. Um, and I know it's stacked in the Raiders' favor because I did not do a good job playing <laughs> as the Raider the second time when I got to play a full match. They should have beaten me. I was just so powerful it didn't matter that I was playing poorly. Mm -hmm. um, because I was having trouble figuring out where to go and where they were and, and, and locking them down. And I got thrown off a couple times. They should have won, frankly, uh, with how I played because it was my first time playing as the Raider and they didn't because I was still just too damn strong. Um, so what's like the mission objectives? Cause in, like, so the mission objective, so you're, yeah. you're in this temporal seam and, um, essentially what it is, is that you have to find, uh, trunks, time patrol trunks tries to help you by giving you, um, these keys that are uh, in the map and they will and they will activate the super time machine and the super time machine cleans up the seam so like anything that was destroyed is put back together 
mm-hmm. and the villain is erased from the area and you're rescued. If the uh, super time machine system fails, Trunks will send an emergency time machine um, later in the game. It's basically like the hatch mm-hmm. mechanic in Dead by Daylight. So you have to go find the time machine and then you have a limited amount of time to find it and get in it and then you you book it. And the thing is, like, if you're the player that finds it, you get it and you can either try to save whoever else is left because you can see where they are on the map. You always see where the other survivors are. You can either try and grab some of them if you want to, or you can just bail and the game yeah. ends. <laughs> um, so it's your choice because it mm-hmm. takes a moment to charge up the time machine to escape. <clears throat> the only way I survived was because another player found that time machine and decided to scoop a bunch of us up. And that's how I got away um, because they were nice, but they could have just ditched us. Um, and so there's an amount of that. The real, the other real detriment besides the terrain is there's no in-game chat. So mm-hmm. I can't talk to anybody and not being able to talk to anybody on such a big map is not helpful. Um, you can put down like, Oh, here's a beacon for a thing that, you know, people are searching for. But that's about the amount of communication you have. And that's just, it's just hard. Um, it doesn't, it, look, it's fun in a sense. And it would probably, it'll probably benefit from a lot of people talking about what doesn't work in these tests and they'll improve certain things. But frankly, uh, it being trapped in the Xenoverse game engine means that like, it's just not going to be what I wish it could be, which is like, it's, it, it's not tense and scary like there's a more dedicated idea of a version of like escape the city while cell is looking to absorb people that you could have done and this is not that like something that goes for the dead by daylight tension and 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 scare factor but this just feels like yeah it's tense to like not want to be found by the raider but once you get found by the raider like they give you tools to try and fight back but like they all just delay the inevitable. The the raider will get you. Like once mm-hmm. they've got you, they've got you. Um, you can you can do a thing where you can like summon a warrior spirit and like knock them back for a while. But unless you got something to get out of there quick, or someone else comes to help you, you're probably dead. Um, I don't want to. I'm not going to call this quite a cash grab. But after hearing you talk about it, I watched some footage earlier. Um, this just doesn't look like it's it for me. It's, Unless it's free and I can play with all of you, I'm not touching this game, to be honest. So this is the reality, is that, like, uh, I love Dragon Ball. I think that this concept is bold. I'm glad they're taking big swings with Dragon Ball instead of just, like, constantly just making fighter games. I think this yeah. was, in concept, a cool idea. The execution is so much so where I agree with Ryan. It's a $20 game, and even to me, that's like, I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know that I'd play it enough to warrant that price. Um because the only version that I think I'd have a lot of fun with is playing with friends. And it requires eight people total. So seven of my friends have to have this game and want to play it. That's a lot me, of people, which is man. a That's high, a which is a high bar to clear. Yep. And uh, I mean, I guess you can play with a couple of other people, but like, so like five one. of my friends want to play great. Um, I have one but, more question. Yeah. Uh, as the, as the villain, like if you're Frieza or Cell, you can evolve, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So this feature I do think is cool. Yeah. Um, Cell. So so the thing is, you can kill the raider if enough of you summon warrior spirits and gang up on the villain. You can kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can beat them. They have a health bar, and you can eliminate it if enough of you are throwing like warrior spirit kamehamehas at them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you can find items like, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. You can find items like rocket launchers and Vegeta's gloves, which will do an amount of damage and knock them back. Um, but generally, unless like four of you gang up on the raider at once, it's pretty hard to beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really a good strategy unless you all happen to be in an area and can like go for it. And you all have to have your stuff charged up or have picked up something like Vegeta's gloves where you get like a one-off Gallic gun or something like that. Um, the map design is cool. I do like it. It's kind of this blend of a lot of different environments because that's what they're able to do with this like like it's a temporal mess. So a lot of locations are mixing with each other. So there's parts of Namek mixing with parts of like the rock uh, uh, barren area that Goku and Vegeta first fight in and the city area and the mountainous area and so like all these things are blending when you are the raider if you're you can you can buy to enter as the raider at a higher form because the stronger the raider gets the more devastating moves they can do to the map mm-hmm. or to the players um you can buy to enter in early i think it's more fun frankly i don't understand the point of that i think you should always have to evolve that's or to be fair uh, speaking of evolve that like just like the video game evolve if you start at level three with all your abilities, then what's even the challenge or the fun? The whole point Ex- is to be building up. Exactly. I don't think that's a good idea. I yeah, don't know why they would do that. Um, but yes, I when I played, I played both times as Cell. You enter in your larval stage. And in your larval stage, you can't do anything except skitter around the map and find um, civilians that are hiding in the map. I do think this part is cool. You can find the civilians, which the <clears throat> players can rescue. They can rescue them before you find them to try and keep, delay how long, how early you can evolve. Because mm-hmm. um, you either evolve by attacking citizens or um, players. But you can't attack players in Cell's larval stage. You can mm-hmm. only attack civilians. So you go, you find a civilian, and then you launch on them and you absorb them and their clothes are left behind. And I'm like, well, this is cool. This is the shit that I think is really neat. Yeah. Um, and then Cell evolves from his larval stage into his first form, and then he can still go and absorb people. But then he can start attacking the players, too. Um, and that takes a little bit, but I like it. It's a good setup phase. Um, and I think it's really funny to to go around and sell Larval stage and do that. That stuff really works. <clears throat> but the thing is, once I get up to perfect cell range, right? Mm-hmm. I could just blow up parts of the map. I could just start what? eliminating them. Oh yeah, you could just blow up zones. Um, so great. I just start I just start eliminating zones. I eliminated two zones that they needed. Um, so they had fly. to summon. You so yep. Uh-huh, yep. Yep. Uh, so they had to summon the emergency time machine, and I blocked them from getting to it, and because there were only two survivors left, and I killed them. And it just—they even—they even got to make a wish on the Dragon Balls to summon Goku to help them, and I still beat Goku and you then killed collect, him. You can collect. You can collect Dragon Balls. In the you game. can collect Dragon Balls. There's a dra- there are Dragon Radars that um, help you to track either. If you're the raider, they help you to track civilians and Dragon Balls, because the raider can use Dragon Balls. If you are a player survivor, they help you to track the time keys that Trunks wants you to grab, Dragon Balls, and something else that I forget right now. Um, it, Like Ryan said, I think it's the good summation is that it's just there is fun to be had with it. If I was playing with friends, I could definitely have a good time. The mechanics are a little clunky still. Um in general, like the gameplay just doesn't feel the best when you're a survivor. Um, when you're a raider, it's fine. But when you're a survivor, it's very easy to feel like you're just on your back foot the entire time. Um, not a lot of fun in that. Um, especially if you have a team that's just <clears throat> I'm not even gonna blame like other people I was playing with. 
we can't communicate with each other. So like, if you're just not being there for each other or not getting on the same, the same tasks, it's just very hard to That's mount, thing. Like, to mount a, a defense. It's a team game. Like you need to communicate if you want to live. Yeah. And, and being, being comparable to dead by daylight, once you're found by the Raider, it's just pretty much impossible to get away. Um, whereas pretty much the only way to get away, I think from the Raider is if you have solar flare equipped, if you have solar flare equipped and you aim it in the right direction, you probably can escape the raider and hide. That's pretty much it, though. Um, this bums me out because, because like, there's a lot of things that you've told me that like sound really cool, and I I like the idea of this concept. But finding the Dragon Balls, playing as the raider, sounds cool with the evolutions, and but like that really bums me out that it's so clunky that it's just it might not work. Yeah, it's it, frankly, it's just that the amount of fun I have playing as a survivor is nowhere near the amount of fun i have playing dead, dead by daylight and if yeah. i'm like if i'm already doing this kind of game why wouldn't i be doing dead by daylight or even predator um or yeah. evil dead like why wouldn't i be playing these other games that seem to be executing on the idea better if it's if it's free on ps plus or something yeah we should all get it we should all have some fun with it it can it can be a fun goof off game but like in in my opinion right now i can't recommend spending 20 dollars on this and i say that as a hardcore dragon ball fan i'm like it's just not it's the gate the the enjoyment for it is just not there what also interests me is like if they're spending a lot of their time doing this i i think i'd rather just have them just use you know for three because like that's your strength making a smaller game where you have less to do doesn't make sense in my opinion frankly a, a i wish a different team had had come at this idea than bandai namco bandai namco makes all the dragon ball games so i'm not yeah. shocked that that didn't happen but um the fact that it's so locked to the xenoverse gameplay engineer um engine is like i think that's that's crippling it frankly um mm-hmm. i think if you really really like made something wholly wholly new with it some wholly new idea of of how scary it could be to hide from cell um because it's it you know it's that it's that trailer we watched is like they're they're chasing that vibe of when Cell first showed up. That's definitely one hundred percent the inspiration for this game, mm-hmm. and like you could have that, but this just this just doesn't capture that. It doesn't capture yeah. that feeling um, because it just feels bad. It just feels bad when you get caught by the raider. Yeah, that sucks. That's uh, it, Ryan. Ryan, no, you can go. Okay, I don't have much. <clears throat> Um, I watched, I think you did too, Ryan, uh, the Miss Marvel assembled. Episode. I did. I uh, forgot I even watched that. I thought that was cute. It's not the, it's not the best of the assembled. It's, it's a fine one. It, 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 it's, I really like how they talk about making the style of the show, how they talk about how like, this was the tone we were going for. And this is, and they talk about Amon's casting. I really hate when they talk about changing her powers. <laughs> Because that was dumb. There is, it, like, you can spin it any way you want. You can make a fluff piece all you want about spinning the powers. The decision fundamentally was dumb. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I do feel this is, but not in a bad way because the show is kind of fluffy too. Like this does feel a little fluffy. Mm-hmm. Like, but in a, not in a way where like I like them talking about how much fun they had and like how they actually like grew as a family. Uh, I buy all that, and that is true, because, like, yeah. they did film this all in COVID. They all lived in the same apartment complex, shooting this thing for months. So, like, you actually see behind the scenes of them, like, being a family and, like, hanging out as friends. So, like, all that chemistry is so real. So, like, I enjoyed watching it, but I didn't really learn anything new, really. Yeah. Which is fine. 
I, yeah, I agree with that. I think the, the, the benefit of the assembled episode comes from the cast and talking mm-hmm. about casting them and talking about like Kamala's Kamala Khan's uh, influence as a comic book character. Um, and just like, there are a lot of behind the scenes, like photos of them hanging out at the hotel that they were, they were like, they were hanging out together offset and on. And um, there's a lot of good energy, which mm-hmm. it comes through in the, in the, in the show. And then we talk, they also talk about the, the directors, um, the directors of bad boys for life. I forget the two of their names. Um, but like, their influence coming on and then the other two directors that directed the other episodes like there's there's some good stuff in it. It, it it is a bit more fluffy but it's not quite as fluffy as like some of the worst of the assembled episodes it's still yeah. there's still value in watching it i think i agree <clears throat> I, I oh I, I meant to bring this up last week but I, I discovered a a new metal album that i'm like super obsessed with and i wanted to bring it up a bit it's called M- Embless brothers of metal um, and it, they have two albums and this is their second album and it's all about Ragnarok. Um, and it's just like kind of like this concept album, just like detailing the story of Ragnarok, starting with Loki, the birth of Loki's three children, Jormungandr, Hel, Hela, and Fenris, and then going through like, uh, the Fimble Winter and then stealing the hammer and then, um, all sorts of. It, it's great. It's really, really great. I really like it. Like Norse mythology lends so well to power metal. Um, I'm shocked that there's not more of it. Uh, and it's cool that these two guys, that these these this band, Brothers of Metal, um, have dedicated two albums just to Norse mythology. Uh, it's really fun. I really like it. Nice. And then I finished the Orville. Uh, the Orville season three, always known as the Orville New Horizons, finished this week. Um, I've been struggling with the Orville a bit, as I'm, as I'm sure you guys recall. Um, but I think there's a lot of really good stuff in this season, and there's a lot of really great, like morally difficult sci-fi. Um, there's an episode that just talks about Topa's sex change from the first season, how it was forced on her, uh, to be a boy. And like, she discovers that she used to be a girl and how that, and then like the, <laughs> that episode going into the season, you think like the Kalon are the villains of the season. And then it like, then like other villains start popping through the word work. It becomes a very bad time for the union, which is the, the Federation of the, of the show. And so like, um, they just keep alienating supposed supposed um, allies because they no longer want to sit on their morals and be like, look, if the Mocklins want to kill all women, we're not okay with that. And so that like starts to alienate the Mocklins. And then like over on Krill, things are really going bad on Krill. And so like things are just like getting much much worse. And like kind of, and like it just keeps progressively getting worse for the Union. While also doing like these morality plays, which I think are very good. Every episode is about an hour and a half, and there's a lot of really great stuff that they're dealing with, a lot of existential stuff that really there's a time travel episode that is some of the heaviest shit I've ever seen in a sci-fi show, let alone Star Trek. Did you say every episode is about an hour and a half? Almost. Whoa. Wild. Yeah. I didn't know that. Damn. Um some of they really power- so they really ran with the new things they could do now that they were Hulu exclusive. Yes. 
Got it. Okay, cool. Um, like somewhere hour 15, hour 12. Sure, sure. I just, I had no idea we'd left the 40 minute model behind. Yeah, they, they like, they threw that out. They chewed it up and spit it out. That's um, crazy. I can't wait to see what that's like now. And the, so like, and like the special effects are, are much bigger. They have a much bigger budget to work with this time. There is actually a flashback to season one. And those uniforms look so cheap in season one compared to the uniforms in this season. I was like, oh shit. Um, all the characters are there. All the characters are really great. Um, but my biggest problem with the season was that it wasn't very fun. There's some good laughs. Every now and then there, there'll be a joke that really hits. But otherwise, Seth MacFarlane was not interested in making a comedy anymore. He was very much interested in making a, 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 a drama. This is a, this is a hard science fiction drama. And that really worked for him. But I still missed the laughs. So I was very happy that the final episode was a laugh a minute. It's a riot. The final episode is an hour and a half. It serves as a as a series finale because they're not sure if they're going to get a season four. And if it will be the series finale, that'll be a big bummer because there's a lot of leftover things that I'd like to see them continue. But it's a very fun, lighthearted episode that really like helped me a lot because I was like, this was good stuff. But man, I missed having fun with this show. And then the last episode, I'm like, oh, finally, we're having some fun. Okay, good. It's good cool. stuff. I'm really happy with the Orville New Horizons. I'm 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 all on board. Let's renew re renew the Orville. Let's get a season four. Nice. That's my week. Okay, Ryan. Ryan? Oh. Yes. Sorry, it's There's a little. A it's a little loud. Sorry, one second. Yeah. Um, uh, we could start by week. Um, so I did. That's not like I didn't do nothing new. I watched I watched a couple horror movies, but I don't think they're worth talking about, so I'm not going to even bring them up. Uh, I'm just going to talk about the two TV shows that I've been watching for a couple weeks now that I haven't talked about before, and now they're they're halfway through their season, so I'm going to talk about them now. The first one is Westworld season four. There has been six episodes of Westworld, and I think this is the best season since season one, which is a really nice thing to say because season one of Westworld. I think is one of the greatest pieces of television ever produced. That is a flawless. And I think my friend Sparks will agree with me at least season one, some of the best TV ever made. That is, that is, it is almost hard to want to make more Westworld after season one because they started with a 10, right? Uh, season two, definitely the worst season. Season three, I think is pretty good. And now we're in season four. And for real, if you would have told me where we are in season four compared to season one, I really wouldn't believe you because this is the type of like, of like, progressing and evolving a show exponentially with every season where like the shit's hap the shit that's happening in season four it's so high concept it's so it is so crazy i'm happy i'm just so happy to be here um the thing that i really like about this season uh compared to the last seasons where and this is not a negative it's extremely simple it's very it's very here's your villains here's the heroes here's here's the plot Whereas the first three seasons of Westworld are very complex. There's a lot of interweaving, multiple storylines, timelines. There is still some of that stuff happening, but it's a lot more streamlined. And by streamlining it, they can just focus on how cool this, the premise of the entire season is by itself. Uh, I don't even want to get into the premise because it's eventually you'll watch the sparks, but it is like, it is so bananas. Like it is so crazy where we are and where the state of the world is, where the characters are, how much time has passed, all this crazy stuff. Um, I think it's exceptional. Tessa Thompson's the villain this season, and she she is at a buff a buffet eating so much scenery, guys. It is so good. Um, I am just having such a good time. There's only one storyline that's not working as as well as the others, but it's by no means bad. It's just taking the longest to be fulfilled, and a lot of storylines that have a lot of stuff going on. So, um, 
I'm so happy it's back. People seem to really like the season, even though it's probably like the lowest watch season of Westworld, which probably means it might get maybe one more season and it'll be done by just by the numbers. I hope, I hope that's not true, especially with all the shit happening with Warner Brothers now. Um, but yeah. I am I am loving Westworld. Uh, new episodes every Sunday. Can't wait for this this week's episode. Love it. The next thing I'm going to watch or talk about is HBO's The Rehearsal, starring Nathan Fielder. And this is, y'all, a show that's kind of even hard to describe. It's a reality comedy show, but it's also um, unlike any other television show ever made. Um, it's I'll talk about the first episode because it gets exponentially crazier and actually hard to describe at some points without talking about it for half an hour. So the first episode, it's about a man. And he's been part of this bowling team for 10 years. And when he first met this bowling team, he lied to them about having a master's degree. So for 10 years, this guy has told his friends he had a master's degree. And for 10 years, it's been building him up inside. That's been eating at him, that he's lied to his best friends. So Nathan Fielder comes to him. He's like, hey, man, I want to rehearse the conversation you're going to have with your friend about you telling her the truth about your life. So he spends weeks with this man. He reconstructs the he reconstructs the bar that he always goes at 100% identically in a warehouse. He hires a bunch of actors to come play people at a bar, and he rehearses with another actor who plays this guy's friend for weeks how his interaction is going to go telling her the truth. So every inner every conversation he has, Nathan Fielder types down, and there's like a spreadsheet going to if she says this, then your response will be this. Mm -hmm. If she says this, your response will be this. So it's a web. Of, of acting uh, through truth telling. And that's the first episode. And and it's it sounds bonkers, but he's rehearsing real life events for people to experience when they actually do them. Yeah. Um, to, the, to the exact point where like the bartenders are real, the actors are real, they're doing all this stuff. And it's like a live play through real life. And it only gets crazier and crazier from then. And like the last bit of tidbit I want to I want to tell you guys because I don't want to reveal the whole thing is the main plot of of the overall season is this woman named Angela and she wants to be a mother, so she's rehearsing motherhood by 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 uh, bringing children in as actors, but every three weeks they age six years. So she has a child and she raises them like a kid. And then the kid, it just turns into a little kid. Then he turns into a middle-aged kid. Then he turns into a teenager. And she has to rehearse being a mother. So when she's eventually a mother, she knows that she's done this. But the human interactions that happen between them are so real. It gets, it gets so real at times, even though these are all actors. Nathan Fielder himself is going like, what am I even doing anymore? It becomes, <laughs> it, there's so many layers upon layers upon layers of like, like, and what is even real anymore? Like I have an actor playing an actor playing a kid. It's it's the most insane. It's one of the most insane shows I've ever seen in my life, guys. And this most recent episode, it gets like ten levels so deep where Nathan Fielder is having like an existential crisis of like, what is what is entertainment? What am I even doing with my life? <laughs> it's it's magical, guys. It's it's I've never seen anything like it. Um, people are like, is Nathan Fielder like a secret manipulator? Like, there's so many things coming about him as a person because he's. There's, not, there's never been another comedian like him where he is so deadpan. Like, everything he says, like, he's not funny, but he's really funny because he's not funny. And he has such a hard time communicating and expressing his real emotions. And this show is slowly becoming, like, his therapy session about how and who he is as a person through entertainment. And, like, it's one of the most profound things I've ever seen, for real. And it's it just starts as, like, this really weird comedy show. 
Um, and I highly recommend it. It is so unique. It is so weird. Uh, it's very profound. Uh, the memes are so juicy. Like it's, it's creating the juiciest memes alive. Um, it's just, it's, I, I can't believe it exists. It's, it's a show unlike any reality show I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it's, it's just awesome. And those are the two shows that I, that I'm, that I'm watching. Thank you for your time. That's I played awesome. multiverses, though we talked about it. Uh, okay. Shall we do our bread and butter? Yes. <laughs> you see that cat? <laughs> That's off the tail. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. Sad news up top. This happened actually after we stopped recording on Sunday. Yeah. Um, last week, Pat Carroll, the voice of Ursula in The Little Mermaid, uh, passed away this week at the age of 95. Wow. That's a that's a, a, a beautiful age. That's a long life. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure I, I know other work, but I don't really know anything besides her Little Mermaid work. But that is that is an iconic role, if if anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know Ben loves Ursula. That wasn't supposed to be a dig. You do really like that song. No, I really do. I, that's yeah. one of my favorite villain songs. Um, it's it's a bummer, but I mean, 95 isn't anything to sneeze at. She lived a great life. It's a, I'm pretty sure she lives a great life, and she's remembered as one of the most iconic Disney villains of all time. So, one the hell of a legacy. Yeah. And also, I love how she kept coming back to voice Ursula because she voiced Ursula in all the Kingdom Hearts games. That's cool. Uh, she, I, she voiced Ursula anytime Ursula appeared. Hell yeah. Um, uh, fan, Fantasmic at the parks, how mm -hmm. the House of Mouse show on Disney Channel, like any anytime Ursula appeared in anything, it was Pat Carroll. Um. Her and uh, the the actor that played Jafar constantly, like anytime those characters appear, they're they're playing them. Um, yeah. yeah, she had a big she had a big like um, both live action and and big time voice acting career. Yeah, long then, life, good good legacy. Yeah, and then Vin Scully passed away <clears throat> at the age of ninety four. Ben, you know you you can take yeah. this one. Yeah, um, I requested this one on because um, Vin Scully, he's a Hall of Fame broadcaster, but also. Um, he's famously known as the broadcaster for the Los Angeles Dodgers, but he didn't just um, um, voice the games for the Dodgers. He also has done a few football games. He's done World Series. He, um, I want to say back in 1986, he was the one who who called the game when the Boston Red Sox lost to the New York Mets with the famous behind the bag where the Red Sox first baseman missed an easy out and then the Red Sox lost the World Series. But this one was hard because Vin Scully was every single sports broadcaster alive thinks Vin Scully was the best whoever was, whoever did anything. It wasn't just baseball. It was just any type of sports broadcasting. They're like, Vin Scully is the best one because when he would call a game, um, he would not just talk about the team he was calling for. He would, he would mention anecdotes about the other team. He would mention little stories about the conversations he would have with the players on players on both teams and it was it was a it was a it was a big loss because the city of la he was like the voice of the city of la for the longest time and his career spanned all the way back when the dodgers were still in brooklyn 67 years i believe i saw because i work at a sports pub and i saw all over the news talking about yeah. it. yep he was voice he was calling dodger games for over 67 years he retired in 2016 and honestly, I'm just glad that he got to see the Dodgers win one more World Series before he passed away this year. So, I mean, once again, 94 years old, nothing to sneeze at. The man 
he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be like a statewide funeral here in California for Vince Scully, not just for because he voiced the Dodgers, but just all of baseball. No matter if you're a Giants fan, if you're a Red Sox fan, a Yankees fan, no matter what type of fan of a team you are, you say the name Vince Scully is like, oh man, that hurts. So yeah. it, it was it's a loss to the sports world. But once again, 94 years old, nothing sneezed that amazing legacy. And quick anecdote, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Vince Scully. My dad used to play softball, and I would actually call his games doing my best Vince Scully imitation. So Hell yeah. I didn't, I wasn't, I mean, yeah, did I, did I want to be on the field? Sure. But mostly I was like, no, I want to be up in the booth calling the game like Vince Scully. That was my dream job as a kid. Almost 70 years. That's bananas. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, going to some quick news before we, we talk about uh, what's been going on with Warner Brothers. Um, the Flash, uh, we kind of suspected this was happening, but it, it, is, it is confirmed it's coming to an end after a truncated season nine. Yep. Uh, for the best, honestly. Yeah. I mean, like, I haven't even watched the last season of The Flash, so um, I will, but, you know, it, it's, it's past its heyday, unfortunately. And that's, um, that's no matter it. how much Grant Gustin is still committed. That's it for the Arrowverse. That is effectively the end of the Arrowverse, yes. Crazy. I really, really hope that it's not just... It's the last episode of the Flash. I hope I got there's I hope it's something for the Arrowverse, but I have a feeling it's not gonna be. I would honestly, I quite honestly, here's what I think the Arrowverse deserves. I think it deserves a movie on HBO Max. Sure. Yeah. That's what I think the Arrowverse that's what I think the finale of the Arrowverse deserves. I agree. I I think um I I personally wouldn't go movie. If I'm being honest, um, mm-hmm. I would probably go with like limited series, something, something like what Christ on, on Infinite Earth is, some five episode event thing. Because there's frankly, if like if you're gonna do it, like what we're talking about now is like you gotta give like the Batwoman crew their their send off. You gotta give the Legends of Tomorrow crew their send off because they both got truncated. Um, you know, you have to do some things to kind of give everyone their proper due, and I just mm-hmm. don't think you get that in a film. So I do think it would have to be like some limited episode event. Um, but I think, but I think a big, big production limited episode event where you really put the work in because nobody has a show that they have to, you, you just focus on that, um, could be really cool and a nice capstone to it. Um, you know, we've talked about it before that, like the timing of the pandemic with Christ on Infinite really put the Arrowverse in a weird place and they just never really recovered, um, as a whole, uh, certain shows did really well on their way out. Um, but <clears throat> it just never bounced back completely. Yeah, we never got um, that Wonder Twins tease. Uh, oh, no. With with um, you know, the state of what we'll get into later. Uh, I just I I'm sure this is probably it. Yeah. yeah. Superman, Lois, and Star Girl. Um, if you want to can if you if you want to go by like the Supergirl rules, would still technically be. Arrow, Arrowverse because Supergirl was at one point not on the same Earth as, as the others. Right, like Black Lightning and them like because they eventually became interconnected. Yeah. Um, uh, by that same token, Superman and Lois, while it features the same cast, technically never crossed over. Um, That's true. And neither did neither did Stargirl, although John, John Wesley Shipp showed up in Stargirl, but I don't, I don't actually know if he shows up as a Flash that we've seen in The Flash. Yeah, but he is Jay. He, he remember, I remember he is Jay Garrick. 
Yeah, but it, uh, I don't remember if he's the same Jane Jay Garrick. Right. Um. Yeah. You know, you could you could think of it that way, but like, effectively, this is the end of core Arrowverse. Yeah, With I'm actually whimper. I'm actually really surprised that like because I was thinking about this like, you know, the second Arrowverse show is the one to end everything. Mm-hmm. It's kind of surprised me because like I figured truthfully this surprise comes from the fact that I figured we'd still have a few more years of the Arrowverse after Crisis, right? Like, I thought, we, like, Crisis set up, like, the next five, six years of some pretty solid stuff, and then, like, other shows would, like, it would be a different show that ended everything. Flash would go out on, out. You'd think, you'd think after that big Justice League tease, they they had an idea, but they don't know what they're doing, apparently. Clearly. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, think, will... I think the Justice League. I, I blame I blame the pandemic on the fact that we never saw the Justice League. Yeah. Yeah. We know we know that there were supposed to be like two lighter crossovers that were playing into that Justice League idea. We only got we only got one, which was the the Flash one I talked about briefly. Armageddon. Um, yeah, the Armageddon one, which does play into the like we revisit the chairs. That's why Black Lightning shows up. Like the the concept is revisited there. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's uh I always thought that the Arrowverse would end with Barry Allen involved, not necessarily the Flash, but like Barry Allen would be part of the end of the, the Arrowverse, so I guess at least there's that. Yeah. Um because in many ways I feel like he's the dominant face even though this started with Oliver Queen and Stephen Amell. I think Grant Gustin's show surpassed that a while ago and became like the core that the Arrowverse was moving around rather than moving around Arrow, even though we call it the Arrowverse. Um yeah. So yeah, it's it. Mm-hmm. Here's hoping some crossover happens, even in the final episode, just to see maybe former Flash people, former Arrowverse people, Stephen Amell coming mm. back maybe for like a scene with cool. Who knows? The Spectre. That John, that John Diggle spinoff show is, is dead and done. That's that's not happening. I can't Never. after the news after the news of what happened of what happened with Discovery, I cannot believe that that show is happening. You know, I'm just irritated that they never just like said he became a Green Lantern. Me too. That they just kept playing coy with it like they were eventually going to do something with it and now you, it's too late. You will never see that. Justice you. It's all just yeah. like two and a half years of teases. The boys. Uh Cameron Crovetti who plays uh, mm. Homelander's son in The Boys, has been uh, promoted to a series regular. Good for him. Yay, Ryan! That's he, he, it's, I'm, I'm encouraged by this because he, they, he has to be a focal point now. Yeah. And um, that kid's actually been on the show since season one, so like, it's good that he's getting the recognition of his presence. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I, I kind of forget that that kid's just been there forever. Yeah, he's been there since the get. <laughs> Remember when Homelander threw him off a roof? That was really yeah, funny. It was. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I'm happy for the kid that he's getting his just dues. Hell yeah. The Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2 mm-hmm. has uh, cast two new actors, Nick Offerman Ooh. and uh, uh, Janet McTeer. Now, if you don't recognize her, she's Jessica Jones's mother from the second season of Jessica Jones. Okay, yeah. She's spicy. She's spicy. Cool. Uh, so, yeah. I, I honestly really excited to see Nick Offerman in a Mission Impossible movie. Hell Do you yeah. think uh, Nick Offerman's replacing Baldwin? Mm, like, like yes. in that role. In, in that, that role? role. Not the same character, but like that that presence. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to say yes, but I think it would be fun if he played something a little less like in his wheelhouse. Like if he was like a villain, yeah. that'd be really cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. But, yeah, but, I, be but cool. I... I like, see what, what you're saying. Yeah. Like when he's sitting in Gotham, my brain thinks, "Oh, is he the is he the villain?" But 
That'd but be... he, can, he can play the government guy. He's done the government guy before. Dude, I would I'm not love... Talking about Rock, I'm talking about uh, Gravity Falls. I would love nothing more than for Nick Offerman to be the villain. That would be incredible. I What happened to Baldwin's character in 6? He didn't die, right? I think he did. I don't remember. I'll I don't definitely... Remember Gonna have to rewatch it. Yeah, yeah, I gotta rewatch. Um, I really liked Baldwin. Obviously, Baldwin is a murderer now. But like, um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but like, obviously, like you can't really bring him back, whether or not he's dead or alive. Um, at this point, so I'm really interested in seeing this because if he is replacing Baldwin's character, then it gives me hope that we're actually going to see the Mission Impossible Force actually be a like a government agency and not just Ethan Hunt. Mm-hmm. which it has been for the past three movies and that's fine like that's cool i like i like watching the mission impossible movies a lot but i miss the feeling that this was a whole like agency under the government that yeah. uh, we went away from it's got a dead reckoning uh, well, the fact that like kittredge is also coming back also gives me the hope that yeah that he's be... dead he died in he died in fallout oh okay right i seem to recall him dying but i couldn't remember for sure apparently tom cruise wrote the scene oh he really hates Alec Baldwin. <laughs> really didn't like Alec Baldwin. I thought Baldwin was pretty good in those because it was cool to see like Jack Ryan be in a Mission Impossible movie. Essentially, yeah, that's, I mean, what it, that's what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's get mad. Warner Brothers Discovery uh, had an investors call, but before that happened, the Batgirl movie was canceled. Just yeah. in post production, ten weeks into post production. And we got word, uh, and it started going like wildfire, that yes, the Batgirl movie that was going to HBO Max has just been cancelled. Uh, I, I, I just want to get the director's names. It's Bilal Fala and Adil El Arbi. Those are the two directors who also did Miss Marvel. Yes. Uh, they did the first and last episode of Miss Marvel, Bad Boys for Life, which I heard, heard really good things about. Um, that really was not... Good. That sucked. That really sucked to hear. Leslie Grace's Batgirl movie was something I was kind of excited about. Same. Everyone was. I mean, you got Keaton back. You got Brendan Fraser as a villain. Like J.K. Simmons. Like this was this was the this was a the only thing that I remember us ever saying negative about this movie was that we were disappointed that they thought of it as just an HBO Max venture, and we felt that it should have gone to theaters, which they were apparently considering at one point. And uh, the it tested the test the test audiences apparently it tested as well as Black Adam did um and it chapter one were the two ones that they were talking about like it that had the same testing scores it chapter um, one great movie <laughs> yeah um and like the thing i was listening to this like to like uh this thing on twitter but like apparently what is what it was talking about was like because it didn't test uh that because it, it tested like that those films because they were theatrical films were given more money because when you that test audience only saw an assembly cut and so like from there you whittle down and you add and you you add some money or you take away some money whatever because those two movies black adam and it chapter one were theatrical films that they were prioritized and under a different regime batgirl would have also had the same prioritization but david zaslov who's coming from discovery was now running warner brothers um also did not feel the movie was worth it also not saying this has a lot to do with it but it might be a staunch republican trump supporter yeah uh and that pattern reared its ugly head uh this week also um he so apparently the idea was that and this is such bullshit but like 
Batgirl was too cheap to put in theaters and too expensive to put on HBO Max because Zaslav wants to go away from all what, what AT&T, AT&T, if you remember, they were like all in on streaming. We're going to put movie, we're going to put expensive movies on streaming. We're going to put expensive shows on streaming. We are streaming, streaming, streaming. Zaslav no longer wants to do that. He wants to completely go away from movies on streaming. Movies now only have to be big tentpole event pictures that are made for theatrical only. And if you're not that, you're done. He also said that he was trying to protect DC's brand. Um, and and in like one of the audio interviews I listened to, he's like, listen, we, we care about Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash. That's it. That's who that's who he said who who his ten pulls are. Yeah. He said the Flash. So and that movie's not going anywhere, despite all the shit with it. So What was the quote? What was the quote? All's good in Flashland. Oh yeah, like choose your words better, director man, I'm just saying. Uh yeah, that this 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 and this is only the beginning of, of the week too, which is yeah. infuriating. That like if like I'm not saying it's like if it was just Batgirl, it'd be better. Like obviously that's shitty, but like this was the start of just a week of oh, it's actually getting really bad over, so over we, there. We heard this a while ago that after they had cast Wonder Twins, they had canceled the the film. This is why. It was a it was an HBO Max original, and this, it came out that this is why Wonder Twins because he says it specifically like I canceled Wonder Twins because no, I didn't believe in it. I'm, I'm not, we're not putting out a movie that we don't believe in, is what he said. And then the other film that was almost completed that he canceled was the prequel to Scoob Scoob Holiday Haunt, which was coming out this December. And animated movies take like longer to make than regular movies that's all that's all computer that's all people working re- not that anyone you know movies don't, you know what i mean like that's a long ass process and you didn't cancel it early you canceled it before, when it was basically done like yeah, yeah. unbelievable and that movie looks so charming like give me a break Had a great cast of maya hawk mckenna grace and the the, the the insane thing here is that like they do it they do it for a tax reason and like they're still gonna make money by not releasing something and yeah. something that, that we will never see. I guarantee you, like, one of these movies will get leaked. There's no way it won't be at this point. That's that's the state of the world. Like, things get leaked now. But, like, I it's... it's For artists, it was a really shitty week, man. The is it tax, true? Oh. Is the, it true the that tax never... write-off, real quickly, Ben, real quickly. Ben. Mm-hmm. The tax write-off thing is the is the one that uh, that should really infuriate people. <laughs> Not just because, like, you know, you're, you're taking away art for a tax write-off. They are legally obligated to never, ever release this movie if it becomes a tax write-off. Yeah, they can't release it. It's, it would be like a violation of like their their nonsense. So a, a, a campaign like the Snyder Cut campaign could not yield any positive results legally. Yeah. Anyway, Ben, go ahead. No, I was going to ask if um, the... Because I saw a rumor online that another reason why they decided to can this movie is that test audiences didn't like it. That's what so we that, talked so about earlier. So yes, I did bring that up earlier. And I wanted to be... I want, I'm, I'm, kind, I'm kind of glad to like talk about a, a little bit more about this. Because the leaks, the tippers that were all saying the test audiences didn't like it, how it tested bad, how it was a terrible movie. I don't trust that because that happened very, very quickly, suspiciously quickly. Um, It felt like to me damage control. It felt like to me Zaslav was putting out people to send out these tips because we know that's what companies do. Companies put out fake rumors. Companies put out fake tips uh, to to drum up any sort of kind of hype. They control even the, the the even some of the leaks, mm-hmm. and so like so like these tips, whether or not they're true, what is true is that the film tested as well as Black Adam, which is still coming out. 
that's the bottom line of it. So I feel like these tips of, oh, the movie was actually terrible. I have a hard time believing that based on how quickly those turned around. I also just have a hard time believing it. Yeah. Go ahead, Sparks. No, I said I just also have a hard time believing it. Um, Yeah, so the tax write-off thing is where, you know, we're getting into the... It's been it's been building. Streaming mm-hmm. laws need to be amended. There mm-hmm. are not clear rules about streaming. There's where this is where a lot of loopholes that have been done to writers and and actors and all kinds of contracts because streaming does not have clear set rules the way television did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's kind of it's it's almost a free for all space because it's it's the wild west. A lot of things can go because nobody set these rules about you know residuals don't exist for streaming. Yeah. Which actually, interesting, this didn't make the news because of the Discovery thing, but the WGA just signed a new contract to give uh, streaming films residuals. Right. Good. This is this is a big deal, is that like these these companies have been able to do whatever they want. They see stre- have seen streaming as a as a plentiful resource because they can make the rules there. Yeah. Um, that has been beneficial, but also mostly terrible um, for the people involved. And this is one of the ways in which it's about to be like nightmarish is because of this this opening for the tax write-off thing. That's um, a that is a streaming cesspool mess that I promise you lawyers are figuring out how they're going to have to change this now. And like what I can take comfort of this is like Leslie Grace and the directors, they're going to be fine. You know, they're 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 they are represented by some of the best people in the in the industry and they will very quickly find them a new project. Real quickly, um, they sh- the director shared online uh, their message from Kevin Feige saying, hey guys, ha- sorry this happened on your wedding. We hope to hear from you soon. So they're coming right back to Marvel, like guaranteed. I, I uh, firmly believe that Kevin Feige is looking for a place for them again. Uh, importantly, it's just, I just want to make a note of it because it's just crappy. It's crappy because of what the situation has fostered. Leslie Grace doesn't deserve the ha ha, you don't get to be Batgirl now because you never were. Um, one million percent treatment like it's just garbage that that's happening um yeah and uh i hate that this has allowed that to be something she has to deal with now yeah um and she's she's time forward to come who knows how long she's been so wonderful about this whole thing uh and the she's been like sharing behind the scenes photos. Like there were, there were no, this is important. There were no issues on set. There were no production problems on this film. And it very much was like, I remember we were talking about a DCEU movie ages ago uh, that was coming out and it just kind of slipped by. I think it might've been Shazam, like a film that had no controversy. It just kind of quietly filmed its thing, created a, 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 a movie and released it and we were all just kind of flabbergasted that we heard nothing about it because we had been hearing so much about The Flash and potentially Aquaman, Birds of Prey, like all these films had either manufactured or real controversies that had ha- happened around them except for, and if I remember correctly, Shazam. And so like this very much was the same thing. At the same time that Flash has been dealing with controversy after controversy after controversy after controversy for years, almost a decade before we got to the Ezra Miller crap. Yeah. Batgirl was able to just film a movie quietly with no controversy and no issues. And the yeah. thing that 
that really like worries me. And it is actually like I'm generally when these big things happen, like with Disney or other companies, like I I generally try to be half the like a glass half full guy because like I I believe that in the end artists win. They especially yeah. with Disney, like Disney, despite all those flaws, they try to give you a good product for everybody, right? The thing about this HBO shit, man, like. Batgirl was exactly the movie I wanted. It was a low budget, not, not uh, a low scale. She fights the a fireman, an evil fireman, as a bad guy, right? That's the that's the that's ninety million dollars. Like, I just want a small, fun superhero movie. Not everything to see, needs to be Endgame. To see Brandon Fraser as Firefly, yeah, like quite literally, we were robbed. Yeah, I I, I will consider that loss uh, as long as well as this whole loss. Uh, legitimate theft yeah and it worries me that like Zaslav's thing is like we want the biggest movies ever and i'm like so that means that like we're just not getting small we're never going to get a small like i am worried about black canary now for real they haven't said anything but i'm i'm really worried about black canary i'm, I'm... Blue, blue beetles the, the people said they're fine that doesn't mean i'm not worried about it yeah so so um uh Zaslav apparently one, real quickly i want to get something on the record but real quickly he said he apparently went around to creatives and talked about how like you know i'm here for you i'm here to protect you i'm going to protect you protect uh your uh your guys's your product your films your content whatever the hell he called it at the time um at the same time really ripping into the decision to make a clint eastwood movie honestly i kind of respected that um but he talked about how he was like there for the creator and then this happened and i gotta tell you what sends a very bad message this is what this is what um christopher nolan was talking about when at&t was in charge this is why he left warner brothers what creative what big time creative like the small people will probably still go to them but the, what big creative will want to work with a company that is potent that could potentially scrap your film well into post-production this, this is the big thing is i don't i don't even think like a lot of the small people won't either a lot yeah. of the smaller they they're looking at Batgirl. They just saw like this is the thing. The film industry just watched what happened to Batgirl, and, and that's why and Scoob. But this is they're they're looking at like I say Batgirl just because Batgirl is the the prominent one. No, and yeah, they're looking yeah. at it, but like that that sent a message that is like your your product is not safe here. Yes, you know you are not safe here. Your art is not safe here. And in some cases, it's not going to be welcome. And this is where, like, streaming things are going to come up. People are going to be filing lawsuits. Decisions are going to get made about where streamers' rights and, and where the rights of the artists fall mm -hmm. and what's going to happen going forward. Change is coming in that way. But nothing changes the fact that a whole lot of people are looking right now at what Zaslav did and saying, I'm not going to go work there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to bring that movie there. And also just the fact that he would go that what Brandon said that he was going around to creators is like, no, this I'm for you. I'm going to protect your product. I'm going to protect your thing. Because the reason why he did that is because he wanted to dissuade people to think that he would be different to AT&T because what AT&T did with the, with the putting, putting the theatrical release movies on streaming was still a hot button topic when he took over, uh, when he took over Warner brothers. And while that turned out quite honestly for the better and hindsight mm -hmm. that stupid decision by by at&t ended up being a not bad decision yeah he, and, and, which is wild well, to me but he wanted to dissuade fears that that wouldn't be possible under his regime yeah well, well the thing well the thing is that if a guy if a head of a company were to come to me and say i'm a director of a low budget film very, very small like street level hero stuff right mm -hmm. and he would come to me he's like no your, your stuff is safe it's gonna come out 
we're going to put it out. And then they were to turn right back around and, and say, no, we're never going to release it because of tax reasons and whatever. I'm like, I'm never going to work at Warner Brothers again. Well, that's the thing, man. Like he, he was, he's a new leader of the company. So he's going to do the nice guy thing going on. Hey guys, I'm, I'm your new boss, but I'm just like you. I'm your friend. Right. And mm -hmm. then once the week is over and he's had time to let you know him, he's like, okay, here's why I'm actually here. I'm here to make money. I don't care about art. And that's the big thing, again, from these other companies are like, at least they seem to care about art. This is straight up like, we are only about the money. So unless you're going to make us a billion dollars a movie, we're not interested. That that sends a precedent. So again, like you said, like so many filmmakers, like I'm not going to work for these people. Yeah. So there's still a bit more to get through. So let's, I'm going to run through this and we'll. Uh, do you have the skews? Do you have the skews, Brandon? The skews? Oh, yes, seen, I do. Yeah, the male and female skews. I do yeah. have the skews. That'll be, that'll be coming. Um, uh, but we'll, uh, this is an ongoing conversation that we'll just kind of keep yeah, going yeah. through. But like, so Walter Amato was also in the news. Apparently he was told that this was going to happen directly after the test screening. Zaslav apparently made the decision then. Told Walter Amato, who is currently the the guy who runs all the DC films. Um, he, and he almost quit on the spot. <laughs> um, he was like, there's no, no effing way. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to keep working with this. With, if this is the case. Zaslav managed to convince him to stay on until Black Adam. Uh, and Hamada is still not sure if he's going to stay on past that. So if you if you piss off Mah Hamada, I was going to say honestly, like, that guy like whatever on that guy, but even he's like maybe this place sucks. I'm like wow, yeah, <laughs> that's how you know you did so you, you messed up. Wow. Um, but he but but Zaslav wants him on board because of uh, because he has been running these DC films and 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 because all of the DC films that he put his name to have made close to or a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, the other DC films that, that, uh, we've talked, we, we've kind of danced around it, but Supergirl, uh, Sasha Kale was going to get a, uh, spinoff of the flash. That's no longer happening. Blue beetle supposedly is safe because early on in the, in the, and because AT&T's whole thing was like, we're making expensive movies for, for streaming. Apparently AT&T believed in that. So blue, blue beetle specifically blue beetle was able to transition to being a theatrical film. Oh, so, I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah, Blue Beetle is uh before Zaslav even came on board, was moving to theatrical. So that's why Blue Beetle is currently safe. At least somebody's safe. But like, you know, you don't really know. Like come Monday, Zaslav could change his mind. Yeah. Um no word on static shock. No one can quite figure out what the hell's happened to the static shock movie. Oh, no way. That thing's dead in the water. Yeah. No way. Um, but because it is in pre-production, I guess there's the hope that you could move you can make a you can let, just rejigger it to be a theatrical event film yeah yeah you still get that static shock movie who knows i i, I find that unlikely because of his the fact that these are conveniently the uh minority characters i was gonna say i don't think it sounds wide enough for me brandon <laughs> yeah zaslav has apparently tasked alan horn who worked at disney for a long time uh with putting together a, a new 10-year strategy for dc that was kind of his thing about um at oh. the uh uh, investor call as he kept talking about a new 10-year strategy and specifically cited like we want something like marvel's like feige we want feige we want a feige level universe and we're going to make everything streamlined and it's all going to be part of this 10-year plan which is why these movies have been canceled the worst which is probably why michael keaton is no longer batman the worst thing he possibly could have said is we we, we want to do what disney did yeah like like 
we've done this podcast for so many years and there was a point like in the Snyder, the Snyder portion of it where it's like, now they're just throwing dartboards and making anything they want. That eventually turned into a good thing where it's like, okay, we're just going to let people make movies. And then most of the DC movies in the last couple of years have been radical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're just going to like, no, we're going to scrap all of it and we're going to do the Marvel thing. And I'm like, how many times has that failed other companies? Like we can't, AT and T started with "We're going to make a ten-year strategy for DC." It never works. They got halfway there. <laughs> it never works. It, it's always a bad idea. Every there was someone who pointed out, like every single cinematic universe that has tried to do the Marvel thing has failed because they do not fundamentally understand why the Marvel one was successful. Isn't Aquaman like a billion? This, isn't that like their most successful? It's their most successful movie. That has like nothing to do with any universe. It's just Aquaman. This, this also feels like horseshit when you're fast tracking Joker two, at the same yes. time. Yes, which has nothing to do with these intentions. Yeah, or plans. and like yeah. the thing is, like again, like I I am happy that something like Joker two gets to exist, but like why are we scrapping the cheaper, easy, like the cheap, like Batgirl seems like more of a more of a like a certified win than Joker two does in a way. But I'm like I I that's why I'm not a Hollywood. <laughs> Person. And like you're not going to get rid of the Batman also because that movie made a lot of money. That movie was very successful. He'd be he'd be he'd be so he'd be stupider than I would give him credit than I'm giving him credit for now yeah. to cancel the Batman too. I'm really curious. Like God. Like they're definitely not gonna like Matt Reeves is gonna make another Batman movie for sure. But like I wonder what happens with Batman now. Like because like I think this is why I think this is why Michael Keaton why the Michael Keaton projects are getting removed i don't think i think the flash being pushed is part of it but i don't i don't think that michael keaton is the batman going forward i think there's i think they're going to pick someone else i don't need him to be the batman but i just it really bums me out because i was i was i was ready and primed for old man michael keaton to be in Mm -hmm. a couple things even if it's just for a little bit but like he's getting like removed and i'm like that's so sad that's so sad um yeah it's also just shitty when like Michael Keaton almost never returns to roles, and for this to be how it's going, um, it's gonna make him not want to do it ever. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then you got um, sorry, I lost my thought. So go ahead, and I'll find it again. Yeah. Um, I think though, I think they want Ben Affleck to just be Batman again. Uh, I think they know that how much goodwill that would give them. Um, there's also Cavill. They talked about how uh. Uh, they they really like Cavill as Superman, but they're not sure if they'll ever if they'll do that again. But I do think there's a lot. Of, there was a lot of talk that made me believe. We talked about a little bit about earlier how Zaslav was apparently given the first draft of Ta-Nehisi Coates's um, uh, African American Clark Kent script, and he and he dictated it should be changed into a white Clark Kent uh, script set in the DCEU. I firmly believe that rumor now. I think that is 100% true. They are going to retool that script to be a Henry Cavill-led Superman movie. Yeah. Or at least whoever they want to be Superman. I'm not even... Like, like we all love Henry Cavill, but, like, at this point, like, with him doing so much other stuff in The Witcher, like, I'm not even convinced Zeslov, like, wants him back. Like, they, I think they really want to scrap it all, unfortunately. Yeah. And, like, I have, you, I, you can't I, scrap no, Aquaman. It's too good. I have, I have no hope for the dc universe right now going yeah forward. this is like we're lucky we're still gonna get like I, I say lucky like like again like i'm praying that black canary movie gets to exist like suicide squad got to came up come out peacemaker's probably gonna be fine thankfully i bet but the, like i bet the hbo max stuff that was supposed to extend from the batman is the is waller coming. stuff 
Yeah. Is gone. No, no, no. From the Batman. Oh, the Batman Reeves stuff is gone. Oh shit. Well, we already know that the 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 Gordon one that turned into an Arkham one that's done. That's not happening. Um, and but the Penguin one, Colin Farrell. Farrell, yeah, yeah. Farrell, he was pretty confident that's still happening. Uh, just this week, so. Yeah, but with HBO Max looking to get shit canned in the next year. So, like, HBO Max, so the thing about, like... It's a good service, too, man. So, okay, well, I'll keep going. It's got good stuff on it. Uh, Apparently, Zazzle really loves The Flash. He's, like, super into it. He's like, yeah, this movie's great. Whatever. And you know what? Here's the thing. The movie might be good. Like, I'm not, like, like, it's got a good director, like, but it's got a good cast besides the the shithead in in the lead. But, like... I just don't understand how there's no damage control whatsoever on that movie at all. None. All's happy in Flashlight. Okay, so about HBO Max. No one knows where Ezra Miller is, but all's happy in Flashlight. <laughs> right. So about HBO Max, uh, that was a big that was a big thing because going into this, there was a big rumor that was spreading like wildfire that uh, you know could be true, could not be true that they were going to lay off seventy percent of their workforce. To Zaslav's credit, that does not seem to be the case. In fact, they're investing more into HBO Max going forward. However, HBO Max will be merged with Discovery Plus to create a new service starting in the summer of 2023. Oh, that one? That one's real? That one's real. Oh, dude, my hope. I have no hope anymore. That's that's. Oh man, no, can't. Don't call it Discovery Plus. Oh no, it's. They say it's going to be a new one. HBO Discovery. Honestly, quite honestly, quite honestly, okay. I, I understand that I was I was I was I was hit with some facts. I get it. Ninety Day Fiance is apparently really really freaking popular. The Ninety Day Fiance universe. Yeah, sorry, whatever. Who gives a shit? I understand that people love Discovery Plus, but you cannot convince me otherwise that Discovery Plus does not deserve anything any any more than to be a tab on HBO Max's homepage. Well, here's the thing, Brandon. You need to realize that market is split into two factions. We so have I, the males this up now. and the females. I'm bringing this up now. Okay, here's what that here's what here's a real slide in the investor meeting in the I year of our Lord 2022. This is I real. Cannot believe that he let this be publicly shared. This so, is a joke. Unique and complimentary slide on the investors on the investment media has HBO Max has two columns HBO Max and Discovery Plus and what he thinks are the big audiences for HBO Max and Discovery Plus HBO Max male skew scripted lean in appointment viewing home of fandoms that's HBO Max Discovery Plus female skew unscripted lean back lean back comfort, comfort viewing and home of genre dumbs. That so that is uh un like unknowingly one of the most insulting things you could like one billion women percent. women don't watch scripted shows they don't watch anything with real stuff it's all about lean and bad baby reality TV baby you love ninety day fiance that's all you watch right woman I one hundred I can't believe this is real I one hundred percent understand that ninety day fiance uh, uh apparently I, I I saw the numbers I don't believe them but apparently it did better than every single scripted content on HBO Max sure. I don't watch it, but I do watch the clips on YouTube. It's pretty popular. <laughs> sure. It, yeah. it, it, it's a very popular thing. But yeah. you know what? Where it will also be popular? On the Discovery Plus tab on HBO Max's homepage. Yeah, yeah. You reality reality TV talk- has its audiences. It just does. Yeah. In fact, exactly. we're talking about that stupid 98 fiance. Because guess what was taking over almost 80% of the double-decker buses in London? 98 fiance UK ads. Hell yeah. And so, like, I, I totally understand. I totally get that. But you know what else I understand? <laughs> 
Discovery Plus didn't have nearly as many Emmy nominations as HBO Max. And the thing is, like, I don't, it's, it boggles my mind that a guy who is, he's like, he's in charge of Warner Brothers, right? Or just HBO or whatever. He's in charge of Warner Brothers Discovery, which is okay. the new company made for Warner Media. So he's the guy at the top. HBO stands for home box office. It stands for scripted, high, high brow, like, like, and you want to get rid of so much of that? And like, just focus on the stuff that makes you money. Again, that's where like, he's not thinking about artists whatsoever. He's thinking about money and it's so easy and cheap to make reality TV shows. It's um, such a bummer. Brandon, can you give us the last points that you have for this? And then let's just have the discussion about all of this. Right. So currently six movies have been removed from HBO Max for much the same reason, tax write-offs. They are Moonshot, The Witches, Lockdown, uh, which is the Anne Hathaway, um, Ocean's Eleven guy. Guy who directed Ocean's Eleven. Soderbergh. Soderbergh. He directed a locked a lockdown movie. Um, right. I remember the trailer for that. This yeah. makes this makes no sense. That one more um, real quickly. Yeah. And American Pickle is the other one I want to talk. Which is a movie I really like and I think is very good. So these these uh, and a few TV shows, including Mrs. Pletcher. Um, but I didn't get the full list there. So these these are removed because they're not doing well on the service. They're just American they're, Pickle came out. No, I know. These are all out movies. These are Wait. released movies. Moonshot is is a movie that just premiered three weeks ago. Wait, which you're telling me. Which one's Amer the Soderbergh one again? Sorry. Lockdown? They Lockdown. just took it off the service, like, for yes. just yes. because people were watching it? Yes. yes. What is, are you, what, dude, what is happening? <laughs> That's insane. This is, this is where the tax write-off thing gets, like, kind of insane because they, they were seen already, so it's kind of crazy that they can do that yeah these are movies that are released all of them this is more what are, are they doing more are expected to be removed because Zaslav says we're not going to keep us we're not going to keep something on that service that nobody is watching because of the expense thing because of at&t wanted to it wanted to move into expensive streaming movies discovery does not want to and wants to, oh. if nobody's watching them he takes them off this is like the worst nick lung diming i've ever seen why like, do i feel like this could be the end of war brothers well, it's, it's not. It's not. It's they, not. It's not. But it's it, in it, fairness. Was... In fairness to what Zaslav said, he wants to make Warner Brothers the type of legacy studio it used to be. I don't know how this is the plan. This is uh, the just, way. Just real quick, sorry, because I I was pretty sure this was uh, Soderbergh was not involved. Lockdown. Oh, um, is, but is Lockdown? That's the Anne Hathaway one, right? Yes, it is oh, Anne Hathaway. Yeah. But um, uh, Anne Hathaway lost two films in this. Um, but uh, Soderbergh's Soderbergh's two HBO Max films are still there for now. So probably want to check them out. That's the um. Uh, uh, Kimmy and um, oh, Kimmy, right, with, right. Uh, Zoe, yeah, with, Zoe Kravitz, Zoe Kravitz, and um, the uh, No Sudden Move with Brendan Fraser and Don Cheadle. That's right. Um, yeah. Those two are still there right now. Um, the so a few more things I'll get through. The 45-day window from from theatrical to streaming, which is what AT and T wanted to do, um, will no longer be a guarantee. Basically, just means that that they'll take it a case by case basis, uh, depending on how well the movie is doing on in theaters. Um, they will invest more into stream into the streaming service, not less. So that's so it makes that personally makes me hopeful for shows like you know Sex Lives of College Girls, Our Flag Means Death, Gilded Age. All these shows are I really like, I really watch all of them. Not all for uh, not male skew. Sorry, Zaslav, uh, you're still muted, Ryan. Scripted. <laughs> yeah, like like Sex Lives of College Girls is a is is a, is, is a great show for women, for but, young girls. Um, but the concern comes in that like 
yes, the shows might be mostly safe on HBO Max, but the films, a lot of original films that were made for HBO Max are probably yeah, but done. The, 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 the shows are in danger, I do believe. Um, because again, like other like TV shows were taken off. There was an animated show, uh, Sparks, I think you might want to look this one up. There's an animated show that had a third season renewal and was almost ready to air and was canceled before it went before the third season went to air. Just uh, recently. This happened because of this. Um, if you can look that up for me. I, I forgot to look that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not clear he was not clear if HBO Max originals that aren't canceled will just be adopted into HBO. Um, because there, there is, he is interested in, and kind of leaning less into little, little Ellen, little Ellen. Thank you. Um, so that third season is not coming out. It's going to be a tax write-off. This is literally not relevant, but I was at work and young Sheldon was on TV. McKenna Grace is in that show. Yes. I didn't know that. I'm like, I'm never going to watch the show, but look, Oh, look at you. Um, okay. So, so, um, uh, so some of the shows, so some of the shows, um, because there are reports still floating around that were not dissuaded by the investor meeting that uh, HBO, because when when they merge, what's that going to look like? Will HBO Max originals just become HBO originals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what, what, what are we? Or will, or will some of them just get lost? Like, will they not happen? By the way, Snowpiercer was canceled because of this, because yep. of him. Yep. Um, it's going so basically what this is is he's reversing AT and T strategy to make movies for streaming. So as I've said, no, he's not making he's not going to make movies for streaming anymore. Um, all movies will be major event films, especially DC movies. He's like very adamant like DC movies are going to be event films released in theaters because he saw Top Gun Maverick and got the wrong idea about why Top Gun Maverick was a success. Because he said Top Gun Maverick is the reason why we need to make event movies all no streaming movies all movies need to be event movies because top gun maverick was a success oh i i do not like this man i i i um he said we cannot he said and i quote we cannot find an economic value for it talking about streaming movies he just does not think that there's any benefit eco- economically to it Bro. he will when he loses subscribers Yes, he will. And stock plummeted 16 points. Oh, um, yeah. I saw that number go yeah. down. Yeah. I saw that graph. Just finally, there's some, these are just some miscellaneous David Zaslav quote, uh, points that I wanted to bring up that are relevant and important to this. Um, he apparently had six new seats of the Warner Bros. Discovery Board to fill. And, and, and he said that uh, diversity is not going to be a priority. So he filled them all with six white men. Yep. Um, wasn't a focus. That's what I said. Um, this happened a little bit ago, but um, I didn't realize this. Um, he fired Warner Brothers chief executive Anne Sarnoff, who was hired by AT&T. She was the one of the highest ranking um, uh, uh, women in all of Hollywood. She basically ran Warner Brothers, Warner Media. Um, she was fired, and her seat was never filled. Zaslav is not going to replace her. And also shouldn't have fired her. Um... Kids programming animation, kids programming and animation, and you know, kids programming and kids animation are going to see massive layoffs and massive cuts. So as we talked about, like he's putting more money into HBO Max, we're talking about like we might get the first season of Gremlins Secret of the Mogwai, but we're not getting that second season. Harley Quinn, the animated series, is probably on the chopping block at this point. Um, mm. Hard to say. Hard to say. We'll see. 
They're like I have a hard time believing that something like Doom Patrol survives this. Quite honestly, I believe Harley will survive. Uh, yeah, but Doom Patrol seems more like a higher cost. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, oh yeah, I wrote down. Apparently, doesn't believe women watch scripted programming, which we've already gone over. Uh, yeah, and this That's is uh, specifically what what just baffles me is this this uh, pullback on animation and younger viewer animation bro they're warner um, brothers they own cartoon network uh <laughs> cartoon network which has been like championing the progression of children's cartoons for the past decade in such a major way we've talked about it copious amounts of times with steven universe adventure time um uh you know like i i firmly stand by that Things like the Owl House, which we love, which was is a Disney product, would not exist without the things that Cartoon Network has done to push that whole uh, field forward. Yeah. So the fact that this is all gonna, and Brandon brought it, noticed a good point. Like other people noticed it, and Brandon asked about it because he was like, "Wait, is this true?" And I was like, "Yeah, it is. I have known this. Um, only only three cartoons, uh, uh, two cartoons currently have like." new episodes still releasing on Cartoon Network and everything else is rehashes. Teen Titans Go and Craig of the Creek. Yes, um, that's insane. And, and We Baby Bears. Those are the three cartoons that have new and everything else is like in limbo. Um, we don't know when new new episodes come or if is that a channel are just, unofficially canceled. Is that a channel of just like reruns then? Mostly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I well, I because mean, I obviously I haven't watched Cartoon Network in so long, but like I just assume like like every I mean, other station is, there's a bunch Cartoon of new Network stuff. Cartoon Network has always been this way within a certain amount of time. Like, you know, they'll, they'll still like right now on Cartoon Network, you'll still get um, episodes of Steven Universe will still air. Steven Universe has been over for a while. Um, and uh, Gumball is still a feature of it, you know, and Gumball has been over for a while. So like, you'll still get those in rotation and everything. And that's always been the case. Like Dexter would be over for a while. We'd still get yeah, Dexter's yeah. lab and stuff like that. That's not unusual. What's unusual is the amount of time it's been without us getting, any clear confirmation on some of the shows that are out there? Are they unofficially canceled or what's going on? We haven't gotten new episodes of them for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize that We Bear Bears was quietly canceled and We Baby Bears was kind of like the uh, courtesy new show that the, the team got mm -hmm. instead. Um, now, like uh, they've said, like the team has said, like, you know, they, they just had more ideas they wanted to do with We Baby Bears. Um, that they felt like they reached where they wanted to with We Bear Bears. They weren't like going for anything in particular. They felt like they they liked where they ended with the We Bear Bears movie. Mm -hmm. Cool, that's fine. Um, but like these things are so in flux. It's it's just baffling to me for Zaslav to be like, yeah, we're just gonna back off animation as a whole and like it, you know, uh, family friendly content. And I'm like, you own Cartoon Network. That is Warner a Brothers. that is a pillar of animation, uh, television animation. Warner Brothers more so than Disney, quite honestly, is known for animated television. Yes. Disney too. Disney is obviously known for animated movies. That was a huge that was a huge selling point of that company. Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes, as Ben as Ben said, Animaniacs. All there are there are so many animated shows. Cartoon Network in general, Hanna Barbera, all of Hanna Barbera. <clears throat> like all of these shows all came from Warner Brothers. That's Warner Brothers' what was their major brand? For and decade. don't forget, Car Cartoon Network also comes hand in hand with Adult Swim. So both of those. And Adult Swim, Boomerang. Yeah. Um. So that's that's jarring and uncomfortable, and I I'm mm -hmm. deeply deeply devastated because I feel like we're gonna lose a lot of great talent in the cartoon field. 
Yeah. I think uh, I think we're gonna lose a lot of <clears throat> I think we're gonna lose a lot of shows. I I so he talked about specifically like kids programming animation, and I do wonder if he just doesn't know that there's adult animated shows out there that he that he himself his company produces, like he, Rick Morty and Harley he, Quinn. He seems like a guy who's like, yeah, yeah, animations for for babies. Like yes. he doesn't realize that like cartoon is like a medium, not like a thing that like only kids and, like, watch. This is a, this is also a bigger thing that people like him, people like his generation, people like his his kind of his kind of executive look down on animation and always have been and always have he. He is. He's not Kevin Feige. No. Uh, the thing is, the thing is, <clears throat> I want to talk about real quickly. Just like the idea of bringing in Alan Horn uh, uh, is is fine. It's whatever. But the thing is, the reason, one of the major reasons why this kind of like ten year plan doesn't work for like DC movies. Real quickly, just a segue. Like the idea of like Kevin Feige. There is no one like him. He is a one of a kind producer that we are quite honestly lucky to have working in Hollywood. There is no one else like him. And every single time someone tries to be like him, they fail because at the end of the day, they are not what he is, which is a fundamentally good person who is also a huge nerd. Also, none of them have the patience because you want to build a universe. It takes time. The Marvel universe. What was the quote? Uh, I think I have it. The, uh, like if you have um, Warner Brothers wants so badly to be where Marvel Studios is, but it lacks the patience and understanding of its characters to ever get there. It wants billion dollar hits without making three hundred million dollar hits first. It wants all the marquee characters assembled without building up a world of supporting B and C level characters the audience care about. Yep, it's it's long been the fallacy of anyone trying to replicate the MCU that they didn't understand that when Kevin Feige set out to do what he was doing, he dreamed of the mcu of the avengers and all that but he didn't set it as a goal post you need foundation his goal post was iron man and then his goal post was incredible hulk and iron man 2 like he he did it bit by bit he didn't do it starting out avengers yes and certainly not starting out endgame like yes that's not how it was and so many people don't anyway I am. Go ahead, Ben. You say what you're no, going to say. I, I was going to say every time someone or some new guy comes in and says, hey, we got to do it like the way Marvel or Disney is doing it. Sorry for the sports analogy, but it always feels like so, when a team, when a football team hires part of the coaching staff from the New England Patriots, because they, in their brain, they're like, oh, this guy stayed under the head coach, Bill Belichick, who won a crap ton of Super Bowls for the Patriots. So obviously, if the new coach, we're going to make this um, offensive coordinator, do whatever coordinator, our head coach or our team, they studied under the hoodie. They know all the tricks of the trade, which guess what? Ten times out of ten times when they bring the a coaching staff, they would bring someone under Bill Belichick as their new head coach, that team fails. But that guy's not Bill Belichick, that's why. Exactly. You know, at the end of the day, it looks, at the end of the day, like these DC films, I've been more excited about every single DC film now than I ever was when they had a plan. All of these films, Blue Beetle, Batgirl, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, Shazam, The Fury of the Gods. I'm stoked for all these movies because there isn't a major plan. This is Because like- they can just do whatever they want. Have auteur filmmakers design and create these films that are unique to each other. After um, the Batman, I've never been more like in a positive place with DC because they're just making good movies. Yeah. They're not thinking about what this new plan is going to be now. You don't have to worry about watching all these other films. You can just go 
and enjoy a Batman film. You can go and enjoy Aquaman. You can go and enjoy Shazam. You don't have to worry about seeing everything else beforehand. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, once again, Marvel created something that obviously at this point in time cannot be recreated. They just found the magic secret sauce and they're sticking with it and it still works for them to this day. It's weird. Where, it's weird that like the only other one that's worked is the MonsterVerse. Mm-hmm. I find that very interesting that like of all of the ones that have tried, Dark Universe, King Arthur, Robin Hood, Scoob, which was <laughs> which has already failed. Like all these like remember there was the Hanna-Barbera movie as universe. Mm-hmm. All these things have all failed except for the MonsterVerse. True. To, to be true. fair, I think the MonsterVerse has mostly succeeded because only one film didn't have Godzilla in it or in yeah. the title and happened to be very good. Yes. And like, yeah. were that not the case, it might not necessarily be like, well, it's a successful cinematic universe. It'd be like, well, it's a successful Godzilla franchise. It's I a guess. successful Godzilla true. trilogy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very yeah. Uh, very, so very we will get there. I think like the, the things they're doing sound very promising. So I think we can say like the MonsterVerse Cinematic Universe is successful and is working. But like, you know, they haven't had to super duper test that. Like we're not getting the Rodan spinoff here. To no. see, you know, like can it do it? You know, like, yeah, right. Um, so yes, with caveat, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think like my big thing that I want to get to is that um, for me, like on, it, it's, I guess, the Batgirl thing is terrible, obviously. I'm very upset about that. But, like, if I'm being honest, like, taking all this news in total, the DC live-action film is, like, the bottom tip of the iceberg of what's upsetting yeah. to me here. Um, everything everything that moves up in notches from that is just, like, infuriating to the point where I'm, like, I just, I don't have a lot of faith in... I'm ter- I'm, I'm uh, appalled. I, I love Cartoon Network shows. I'm afraid that the future of Cartoon Network right now, the immediate future, is going to be very sad. In the um, same vein, HBO Max is constantly cited as the best streaming service in the market right now. It has the best content, it has the best library, and it feels like it's being shunted. Maybe not even gutted, but it feels like it's being done dirty. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I wanted to get to is that, you know, like I am concerned for the DC films. The DC films were in a shitty place before so like i can live in a shitty place with the dc live action films again if i have to sure that's fine uh what i'm concerned about is things like harley quinn probably like peacemaker james gunn says it's safe right now but uh i don't know um and things like that that i i really adore these projects that i'm afraid there's just not going to be an avenue for anymore i'm afraid zaslav is going to kill the DC animated film that goes straight to DVD and Blu-ray. I, oh, I firmly believe oh, he's man. going to chop it completely. I think it will die for a, for a while. I, I firmly believe that right now. It's what was the last? Dead. What was the last animated movie called that came out? Beware my power. Okay. Okay. Sorry. What's one before that? Because I want to look at sales, and that's a brand new one. Uh, is it? Is it? Is it the Batman one? I think is it, it might have been Injustice. Okay. I'm just gonna see if I can find sales for that. Um. Does this I, also mean we're not going to get any more of the Mortal Kombat animated films? Yeah, I think, those those, are... I think honestly they did two of those, and the second one, no spoilers, it ends a story. I never okay. thought there was going to be a third one. Okay, never mind. Injustice, the movie, has only has made less than three million dollars. Yeah, and I guarantee yeah. you that movie cost probably that much to make. So I I would not be shocked if we see less animated movies too. And that's because anyway, and because yeah. that's what they're designed for is that home media content. I think he's going to the same no economic value that he's going to see in it um so it, it all just steps up from there that like 
I because of things like American Pickle being removed for a tax write-off, which is absolutely ridiculous. Seth Rogen is a person who I highly doubt will ever work with Warner Brothers while they're under Zaslav again. I don't expect that. Not that I know what he would have done with them, but the thing is, like, all of these people, the people that I want to watch make things probably aren't going to go to Warner Brothers and Discovery right now because of what's happening. There's a lot of people that I think are just going to leave. Unless, Unless you're making, you know, Dune size movies unless you're making another justice league like yeah i don't i can't see you being a filmmaker wanting to make anything with warner brothers on a small scale like at all like yeah and like the, like uh, sparks brought up a good point of like they're the the dc films you know the, a lot of them are making a lot of money so he'd be ridiculous to to cancel a lot of them uh, he could course correct he can reboot he could do whatever he wants but like there's a lot of money to be made in an aquaman trilogy which is wild to say uh, the Shazam films do did well with their budget. Um, like he, the, the Batman made almost a billion dollars. And honestly, most analysts assume that it would have, if it didn't have the 45 day theatrical release, mm-hmm. uh, go streaming. So, but like, you look at like Harley Quinn, Doom Patrol, Peacemaker, these shows are definitely on the chopping block. They are, they are shows that he could look at and say, and the DC anime films too, like, you know, he's looking at the, at these like money. And if they're not making that kind of money, eyeballs are not money. Streaming services make money based on subscribers. Yeah. He is. We've talked about, there's been, we've done this podcast for what, six years now. There's, we've talked about plenty of mergers, plenty of things like this. This is really the first time where I felt like I, I don't see any positives. This is what the future what really seems like. grim. It seems grim for Warner Brothers. This is, this is what we, everyone was worried about when Disney bought Fox. Mm-hmm. This what we're seeing mm-hmm. with Discovery and Warner Brothers is what everyone was worried about with Disney about Fox. I don't think it has been a net positive, but I we're, think what happened with Disney and Fox is far better than what's happening here. I'll tell you what we're watching. We're talking about a new Predator movie today, uh, which I doubt would have happened under under a different it's, company. It's essentially yeah. it's essentially the the equivalent of Batgirl, and they let it go. yes, 100%. they let it come yes. out. Uh, like, should it have gone to theaters? One hundred percent, I believe that. But yeah. at least it came out. Um, yep. This is. We are we are in the absolute nightmare scenario right now at yeah. Warner Brothers. Um, I regression. wish that Warner Brothers had been bought by Paramount. I wish that Warner Brothers had gone to someone else who gave a shit. Wait, Sparks, um, Paramount? Oh, what are you doing, Paramount. Paramount? What are you doing? Oh, uh, yeah. We know, we know. Oh wait, Paramount. you weren't there for that, Ben? Yeah, I was. He watched it. He, he, he no, he was on the comic. He was on the Comic Con episode. You're right. Um, <laughs> Paramount's doing such amazing moves they would have cared about what they're doing here i almost wish warner brothers was anywhere else honestly i almost wish warner brothers discovery uh this is this is the worst case scenario and i don't think it's going to get better until it will eventually get better and the only reason it's going to get better is because eventually laws are going to force it to and subscriber subscribers are going to make zaslav realize he has to repivot but it's going to take time to get there the immediate future looks bad yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the the problem of like when you get to this, you said you said something interesting. You said I almost kind of wish that that it, it stayed with AT and T. A lot of what Zaslav has been doing is to pivot away from AT and T. And and I look, I get it. I I get the 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 concept that AT and T wanted to invest ninety five percent into streaming and five percent into theatrical. I understand. I you know what? I was never crazy about that. I, I thought that they that, that that was the wrong that was the wrong levels to go at that, but 
it honestly yielded some good some good results. We had good movies and we had some incredible shows that were released look, out of it. Look, AT&T. And so like that was that's almost what I'm trying to say is like that's almost a better alternative at this point. Well, the reality is what we saw is that AT&T, they made bad choices. There were things that they cut. Like, there's a lot of shitty things AT&T did with Warner Bros. That's true. When they got to the point where they knew they were just going to be done with it and sell it, they stopped caring. And when they stopped caring, (laughs) things were allowed to flourish. Artists That's when projects were allowed to just be made and they did well. AT&T went hands-off and everything went well. Yeah. This is why we're in a nightmare scenario it's and it's so every time every time the situation comes up it's just like just make a good product and people will see it i don't know every one of these companies is like trying to like focus test and do the quadrants and be like if you make something good people will see it it's that easy this is the same problem that netflix people are talking about like the netflix uh bubble is starting to burst and i i I would agree with that like because netflix puts out so much um that it, it it a lot of things are are falling by the wayside a lot of things aren't getting eyeballs on it because they're putting out so much at at, at such a short amount of time yeah um as far as and like they're canceling <laughs> and they're canceling things that do get eyeballs yeah and so like we talked about like how many stream how many shows were out at the same time that we were doing fake nerds watches for how many movies does netflix put out a week like these things like at&t saw that during the pandemic and said we want to keep doing that that's why movies like american pickle and moonshot and whatever's that's why those movies didn't do didn't get the eyeballs that Zaslav thinks they should have gotten it's because those there were so much AT&T put so much into streaming there were so many expensive movies that were just dumped onto streaming that didn't get a lot of eyeballs and I gotta tell you if American Pickle had like a month alone I think that movie would have done much better I mean even putting that aside like it it shouldn't it at a certain point it shouldn't matter for the subscription streamer services you're going to put out you should be putting out content that is diversified and variety and some of it won't do as well uh but the goal is not to have every single thing get all the eyeballs and hit at least it's not supposed yes. to be yes yeah. um it's supposed to have enough content there to bring plenty of eyeballs that even if That's not what... even if those eyeballs that are coming are not watching every single thing that you put on the service they're coming for something that's what the going back to the Netflix model. That's how they started. They started by saying, "We're going to give you free reign because we know that people are going to find it. We're going to put it on on, on our streaming service. People will find it." And they waited for that audience to find the thing. Netflix no longer does that anymore. That's why they canceled something after the first weekend because if it doesn't get eyeballs the first weekend, it, and it's a failure. Netflix is. That's why Netflix's bubble is starting to burst. That was the. That was what AT and T was taking inspiration from, not making not making things that for people to well zaslav thinks that we should be making what am i trying to say zaslav thinks that people that that if something goes on the streaming service that first weekend it needs to be watched by bill by billions of people by every single person who is at&t knew that if you just put something on there its audience will find it that's yeah that's the thing about streaming things like whether you release it all at once or or bi-weekly like you put it on a streaming service it's going to take time to grow its audience and once again once the show is good that's why stranger things is like one of the most watched things on the planet, right? Like, if it's good on a streaming service, enough people will find it eventually. You just, you just gotta make well. it good. Exactly. That's why yeah. Peacemaker went well. Peacemaker did well because it was released weekly. People found it. And that mo- that show had such good had such good word of mouth. People found it. Our flag means death. Didn't get popular until after the first season was over. 
until people found out what it was really yeah. about and like became invested in it. The thing that I'm so shocked about is like you, you have you have you have HBO, the scripted stuff. You have Discovery, which is a lot of reality stuff. If you just combine them, why are you cutting anything? You have both markets. Why are you trying to combine it so everybody watches everything? Instead of just having, hey, there's your Discovery stuff, here's your Warner Brothers stuff. Let's just keep going as is. Like I'm so confused why we have to cut so much stuff to try to try to diversify when just you have two different markets that can just be in one streaming service. Like it seems like when, the worst way to do this. You know, a good a good example of how I think Discovery Plus should be handled handled in this merger is how Disney handled the SP, uh, not ESPN, um, National Geographic. National Geographic. Oh, National Geographic. National Geographic was bought after Disney Plus. It was bought specifically to put this to have Disney Plus content. That's yeah. exactly what that streaming. That's exactly what that purchase was for. And it is a tab on Disney Plus with some great movies and some mm-hmm. great TV shows. Yeah, that people find. Yeah, that's all- Discover Discovery Plus is not more popular than National Geographic. No. And the thing is, like, again, HBO Max already has, like, hey, here's the thing. Do you want to watch a DC property? Do you want to watch a Cartoon Network thing? Do you want to watch an HBO thing? Just add add the reality option. And then you have a billion more people watching your shit on the same thing. Like, I don't understand why it feels so unnecessary to do all this extra work, all this extra re- remerging and canceling when you could just combine them and go as is. Because, Isn't Crunchyroll also on HBO Max? Yes, because it is fundamentally – Zaslav believes – that Discovery Plus is the streaming equivalent to Disney Plus, and it's not. HBO Max is, and he does not think that way. That he is... does not think that HBO Max is on the same level as Disney Plus. He thinks Discovery Plus is, and that is the opposite way to think about that. Baffling man. I don't care how well 90 Day Fiance does. Nobody gives a shit about Discovery until Shark Week happens. Ooh, ha, ha. Yeah. Man, True. it's... Yeah, this is the darkest timeline, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh... All, all the shit that this guy has been saying. I, mean, I know earlier I said it feel, to me it feels like the end of War Bros. Obviously, War Bros. isn't going to go anywhere specifically, but the fact that this guy wants to cut the animation, the guy that the fact that he decided to cut Batgirl for stupid reasons and pulling off their own films, like they're pulling off American Pickle and those other films that Brand mentioned earlier that were already released as HBO Max originals. Moonstruck, Moonstruck came out three weeks ago. Yeah, that's it's that's, like, that's so, the new Cole Sprouse. That's the new Cole Sprouse rom com. The reason why you keep those up there is because they're HBO. They were made for your streaming service. It's they like are, Netflix they are, to to say, "Hey, we're going to take Stranger Things off because yes, we're that, done." Yes, that's exactly. It's like it, it, Stranger Things is a more popular thing, but that's exactly what it yeah. is. If Netflix took off an original that they created, like we're talking about Day Shift next week, if if Netflix after three weeks was just like, "Okay, Day Shift no longer available," now the difference between Netflix doing that and HBO Max doing that is because HBO Max. Their films are still available on VOD, whereas Netflix is not. So uh, American Pickle, The Witches, um, all those films, they are not available on HBO Max. They are available VOD. Wait, The Witches, that, the, the Anne Hathaway one? The mm-hmm. Yeah, the Roald Dahl. Oh. I, haven't, I haven't even seen that movie yet. No, I can't even watch it. Oh, yeah, no, I remember what? watching that movie. No, what is, that is insanity. I can't no, I, I, got, I got to tell you guys. I got to tell you guys. An American Pickle is good it's very good I believe uh, it. It, it is a it is a great soulful performance from seth rogan two great soulful performances from seth rogan and and it is a bummer that that that, that movie is not accessible yeah. anymore i mean i i hate everything about what this guy's doing with warner brothers and 
Ryan, didn't you say that he's also like a huge Republican Trump supporter, whatever? Yeah, and I got to and I got to tell you, I got to tell you, the the films that he is cutting, it it, it is suspect. It, it's it, just I'm, I'm not going to say that these decisions are racist, but it is suspect that that is a thing. I I, I agree. I do want to point out just just because I know Brandon will appreciate this, and this does piggyback into something I know he and I would want to talk about and touch on. Um, you can purchase. American Pickle on DVD. Okay. Manufacture on demand from Warner Brothers. You can on DVD. A, on DVD, not on Blu-ray, which what is, is it, 2004. But but the important thing is that like at least at least there's that. Yeah. yeah. To an extent, like that is still there, which which really is picking back into like what I know Brandon and I want to champion, which is this is this is why physical media is always important. Yeah. Um uh it's something I've been talking about with a couple of other people for a while. Like I if I have the physical copy, even if the streamer is available or the digital code, I got the digital code with the Blu-ray. I still prefer to put the Blu-ray into my thing because streaming services are not, not calibrated for the correct audio mix for your television. This is why you constantly will have a thing where you're like, they are talking too quiet. Oh, but what the explosions in the music are too loud. I Now I have to turn the TV back down. It's because the audio I, mix is bad and I incorrect. Have, I, have a, I, have a, I have a bone to pick with Disney+. Plus. A lot of their films, oh. especially their Marvel films, are too dark. Like, quite honestly, the color they, 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 are, they are badly color corrected. So every time I'll happens... be watching Duck... Sorry, Sparks, but every time I'll be watching DuckTales on my TV downstairs through Disney+, Plus, intro, stupid loud. Everything else, super quiet. Yeah. So yeah. I'm constantly um, playing with the, the volume control. Streaming services notoriously do not put the effort in to have their audio mixes created correctly or calibrated right. Um, it can happen with the visuals too. This is a huge issue that also is going to come up, uh, I think, as like the streaming things continue. Um, but this is why physical media has always been uh, an important thing to Brandon and I, because when you have the digital access, that can get taken away at any time. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I don't want to like get on a high horse and talk about physical talk about physical media. I think importantly, physical media. I talked about a, a lot. Netflix being the premier streaming service. That's why HBO Max was so was so successful in, in the beginning. Netflix does not have a large classic selection. There are a lot of films that are just not available post nineteen eight uh, pre nineteen eighty on mm -hmm. on Netflix because people their audience isn't watching them. Mm -hmm. What was so cool about HBO Max is that they had turned to classic movies. They had a bunch of older films, a, a huge catalog of classic movies, uh, history, historical films, to uh, be, Criterion to, Collection. To be fair, unfortunately, they can only really put on the ones that were made by Warner Brothers. Anything else that's on Turner Classic Movies that was done by sure. another studio, uh, they can't really put on HBO Max, which is a bummer of it. But yeah, continue. But like still, but like so you go. So one of the things, the reason why I always want like to champion physical media is is more so because a lot of films are not available streaming. A lot of films that are his that are history. These this is our history. These are films that are important to to that are going that are going to constantly get lost to time as things get more and more into the digital age, because people are because younger people aren't going to want to seek out the older films. And it is important, like things like Criterion Collection, um, things like uh, you know what uh, Arrow has, is doing. Like Arrow, you know, they did the RoboCop movies and the Friday the Thirteenth movies, the Gamera movies. Like yes. that's the those people are very important because they are keeping film history alive. And the only place they can do that is through physical media, mm -hmm. because the streaming services aren't getting those films. Right. Yep. And like Disney, Disney also has a good Disney. Disney is the way is like the fact that nothing has left Disney Plus 
is a miracle because things are constantly being bounced between HBO Max and Peacock. But like Disney Plus also has a large selection of cla- of their classic movies because they have a lot of films. Uh, mm-hmm. And so like that's what the that's what these type of streaming services were so beneficial for is to keep their classic movies and the physical media again keeping history alive and to be fair like uh just to bounce off the point i made earlier streaming services have been notoriously better for older films it is a good way to watch them you're going to criterion if you're going to hbo max to the turner section those films were pretty much only uploaded with one type of audio track that was calibrated one time because it was done right and that's it so you're not going to have those same issues that you have with the modern films where there's way too many different like types of tracks and everything built Older films tend to just have their consistent, like, yeah, you got it. It's, it's it's supposed to be this way. It's supposed to sound this way and look this way. Here you go. So streaming is actually notoriously good for older content, but new content is where it suffers. And then you have to, you have this thing where these films that are made for HBO Max, that are movies available on HBO Max, that are made for the streaming service to be available on that streaming service forever is the idea. And you, Netflix, we talk about it all the time, Netflix hardly ever releases dvds and blu-rays i'm shocked that mitchell's versus the machines got a physical media release quite honestly oh it was just so popular um and I, i'm happy to have it I, so happy to own it um i bought the batman it's available on hbo max but i love that movie so i bought the batman and so like these these films as if i if i have them they cannot be taken away but we should never have been put in a position where these movies could be taken away Yes, it's a nightmare scenario for for the artists who make it too. Um, the uh, showrunner of Dickinson used this as a moment to talk about this is why I have no faith in uh, the longevity that the streaming service provides. And I demanded a physical copy of the show I made because I spent 10 years making it. And I have the only physical copy because they gave it to me. Um, and that's how important it is to them because they're like, I don't have faith that this will be around forever. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Things look dark. Um, hopefully in the long run, things will change and get better again, but it is going to be a rough time with the yep. Warner Brothers content for a while. This unfortunately feels like it's going to get bad, but enough people will complain and they'll clearly see the money isn't there like they thought it would. That the it'll only... take five years before we can come back to happiness. Oh, in five only... years, Discovery will sell, H- will sell Warner Brothers again. Hey, it, the, only, the only silver lining I see is that um this will force more laws uh that are important to protect the artists in streaming content i do think that that's going to ramp up how soon we see that come into effect uh because of things like this um i think it's going to be in response to that i do suspect that someone is going to sue over these decisions uh, i don't know who it will be but a lawsuit is probably impending and new laws will come from it i bet i bet soon we hear for those those directors get a Marvel movie, something. Yeah, yeah. I bet that by some soon we're we're hearing that they're signed signed up. With Marvel it would not it, look. It would not shock me if we see a massive lawsuit come about. That is like teams talking to each other because a lot of people are creating the buzz that like I promise you lawyers are having discussions right now. This is what, um, this, what this is the same thing Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. But I was going to say like uh, with with. Um, People, people whose movies and, and shows have now been taken from HBO Max talking with the Batgirl team as well and like just a big old lawsuit of like, this is not okay. Um, and even if they lose it, it will still prompt those laws to change. That's what I, I really hope that happens because like, again, if it was just Batgirl, like that's a shame, but like it wasn't just Batgirl. It was multiple movies this happened to. They got scrapped after they were, do- they were almost done. And it's like, how do they just get away with that? 
How yeah. do thousands of people between both multiple movies just just like it's like a year of their life doesn't exist anymore? Like how right. is that even allowed? Thing, I don't get the it. Thing, the thing, the really shitty thing is this has never happened before. Yeah, there is no precedent to this. This has right. never happened before. That's that's why there will be there will be some kind of ramification. We're going to see it, and um, it's just going to take time. Yeah, and I hope um, that the artists get to champion for themselves, and changes do come because artists who have worked in this medium deserve it. Yeah, yeah. and I will be on all the hottest torrent websites looking for that Batgirl dot rip. I'll be waiting for it, baby. It's it it's good to know also that the crew, the cast crew, will of Batgirl will land on their feet. You know, Zaslav, I know, is trying to be like, oh, we're, we're quickly trying to find places for them again because they weren't the problem. And it's like, you're not getting them back. No, it's a, it's it's going to be tough um, because I think Warner Brothers was the big uh, the big company where Brendan Fraser has been making his comeback. He's had yeah. multiple projects with them over the past few years. Um, and I don't know if he'll it'll stay that way. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I, watched, because... I watched a video. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I, just, I watched the video on Twitter of 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 uh, his happy Twitter. birthday. Yeah, his happy birthday. And I'm like, that's so that's such a that makes me so mad. Uh, uh, I think Brandon Fraser is still going to be on the upswing of of a comeback. Um, well, he's got but it's he's unfortunate. Got that, uh, he's got that uh, the whale. Yes. Uh, movie with um, Darren Aronofsky. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do think this is going to sour his relationship with Warner Brothers. We'll see. Like you know, I think I think Doom Patrol if that gets taken away from him too. Oh my uh, God! It would be a nail in the coffin for him with uh, with them. Leslie Grace, um, up and comer from In the Heights, mm-hmm. uh, moving on to Batgirl. Like I think this is the roughest for her. Mm-hmm. I hope that she gets something else big for herself um, because this uh, the 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 added blow of like all the racists and everything who didn't want her to be Batgirl to begin with, having been attacking her this whole time, and then um, getting to getting to taunt her and say, "Haha, we won," um, and it's all, just all like the... she deserves the karmic come around on that. Yeah. One. All the Snyder cut, all the Snyder cult bros who are championing this movie's death, defeat because they think they'll get their their franchise back. If you wanted the Snyder cut, sorry guys, it doesn't pay to be hypocritical. You should be wanting this movie back. It's all. Is it really about artist intention? Not with all of them, though. Anyway, you still had um, your J.K. Simmons. Like, what are you complaining about? Right, you still you're still J.K. getting Batfleck. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, the the the. the I don't want to. I don't want to get too much on this. No, it's a, it, I think um, that was yeah, a discussion. There's a. There's a lot that we're going to have to sit with for a while. Yeah. At uh, least I want to real quick. At least like we still got we still got Shazam two, which is nice. We still got Black Adam. I hope that's good. I still got Dune. I am, so like you already <laughs> brought be... it up, but I am terrified for Black Canary because we just talked about Misha Green losing the Tomb Raider project. Yeah. And it, yeah. And she's lost Lovecraft Country, and now this. Like I. That's awful. Misha Green. I am. I am. I am really concerned for Black Canary. Um, Me too. Also, I gotta be—I gotta be perfectly honest with you. I don't think there's a world where Zaslav makes. I, if he was in charge when when Denis Villeneuve was going into Dune, I don't think that movie would have made it. Yeah, I think I think it would have been too big of a risk. Yeah, that first movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a little that. concerned because I'm I'm happy that that second movie got through this this deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a little concerned about maybe getting Dune Messiah. That I'll. I agree, but I'll just be happy if they get at least Dune done. Yeah. Like, like the Dune Messiah is a much bigger, even bigger movie. So, like, as long as we can get Dune, like, uh, baby. I, I just think, want Denis Villeneuve to I have think, his trilogy. Yeah. I think Dune proved its success. And as long as the second one is also gets it, it it'll probably have a bigger showing, honestly, than the mm-hmm. first one did. 
um, because it won't go like people. Some people waited for the HBO Max on Dune Part One. I suspect the theater turnout for Dune Part Two will be bigger. I hope so so. Yeah. Um, I I think Dune's probably in a good spot going forward. I think it will prove itself as a successful thing. Um, so I'm not too worried about Dune at the moment. Um, I want to bring up some of Mag's comments because um, he he was he was uh, talking in the comments for a bit. Uh, I'm going to be livid if they mess with Blue, with Blue Beetle or Static. Uh, me too, honestly. Mm -hmm. And uh, he is also worried about Young Justice. Um, someone tell me how good season four of Young Justice is because season three was not good. I've heard it's a huge turnaround, big turnaround. Oh, people so. people seem to really like the season, but that's just anecdotal people on Twitter saying. Yeah, because I kind of wonder like. It th did those people also like season three? Because like I'm, I'm, I'll admit. Apparently, I'm in the minority about season three, which is surprising yeah. to me. Not, not like a small minority, but like you know, more people liked it than didn't. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because people gaslit into being like, I've waited this long. I'm going to like it no matter what. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. And then he made a community joke in here, and uh, just gonna yeah. Community. <laughs> I, I, I suspect that um, I, I have heard in general young justice season four is better than three um that's, that's just true. a general sentiment i've been gathering so so maybe that's worth it i don't know yeah. okay trailers key talk uh, devotion real quick that was a good discussion yeah. that, that was, was a good discussion good job everybody yeah a pat on the back everybody uh good uh let's let's call it a tie <laughs> <laughs> um devotion uh yeah i think this looks awesome Jonathan Majors, um, Glenn, Glenn Powell. Uh, Jonathan Majors just can't get away from the Korean War, and Glenn Powell just can't get away from flying planes. Yeah, um, that's very true. <laughs> congrats to both of them. No, I think this looks. I think this looks really cool. The fact that it's based off a true story, um, it just looks well made. I think a lot of the the shots of them in the planes going around uh, for this time period look really good. Mm -hmm. um, sure, it's not you know Maverick, but like it doesn't have to be. It, it still just looks like a, a well made film. It's also a period um, piece, so they got to do a lot more. Yeah, and I yeah. and I love that, and I love uh, I I just like the idea of Jonathan Majors and Glenn Powell getting to play together. I think they're both incredible talents. Um, so this this has me. I I think this is really cool. Yeah, yeah I echo everything everything you say. Uh, I think it looks really well shot. Uh, there's definitely going to be with Jonathan Majors. There's some like high emotion that he's going through. Um, yeah, it looks looks pretty good. You know what? You, you know what I will say about it. Um, this trailer I think is super good because it just it just looks like it's telling me a, uh, like giving me a good movie it just it just looks like it's doing that um even though it says it's you know in a, a true story i don't feel that like and this is this is the big emotional swell of the downturn in their lives the, 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 it's not selling me that that notion it's just mm -hmm. selling me the film yeah. um and i think it looks very good for that yeah uh chainsaw man <laughs> this trailer got me more hyped than i could have ever imagined in my life i'm i swear to god i'm gonna start reading that book right now i swear yeah, to god, that, I, i'm gonna read it this week that that trailer i didn't know i didn't know what what the comic was about i didn't know there was devils and humans and he can be a devil and a human real wild real quick, shit real quick i want to tell you there's an app it's called manga plus you can put it on your phone or your tablets or anything um it's completely free and you can read chainsaw man I'm doing um, it right this is perfectly right legal um, this is a this is a perfectly legal thing. This helps them to get the numbers to understand what that what people in other countries are interested in. Reading Manga plus, Manga plus, got it. Um, so go ahead and read Chainsaw Man to your heart's content. Um, oh, I have that. Uh, the animation is 
exceptional. Uh, I, I love it so much. So now I can finally talk to you just a little bit about the gun devil. God damn it. Have I been waiting to talk about the gun devil? I'm not going to spoil anything, but I am going to tell you that the gun devil is essentially the antagonist of chainsaw man. Um, mm-hmm. mm, uh, the secondary antagonist, I'll say like the background antagonist. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I have to go to the bathroom. Don't move on until I'm back. Okay. Um, but I will tell you that uh, I now know for sure um, Chainsaw Man, the anime, is going to be um, 24 episodes. It's going to be cut up halfway through its season, and this okay. entire first season will be the entirety of the part one story, which means we're getting a whole complete story of Chainsaw Man. Hell yeah. Um, it's going to be awesome. The Gun Devil, uh, they do some exceptional stuff. It's very powerful. This is something I wanted to bring up when we were talking about some of the recent shootings a while ago. Um, Chainsaw Man is incredibly evocative because the concept is that, like, guns are, in this world of devils and everything, guns are still the most lethal goddamn thing Mm -hmm. on the planet because there is the gun devil. Um, And it's a horrible, like, terrorist representation and what it feels like, and and they do such powerful storytelling around that. Uh, I truly, truly cannot wait to watch this and uh, gush about it because uh, it looks so goddamn good. Yeah, the animation is insane. Insane. I love it. I look, I think this is, these are some of the best trailers we've had in a while for like the, for the next two shows we're talking about, but like animation is so hot in this. I, the violence looks so good. I, uh, what is this? What is this going to be on again? Uh, this will be on, this is a uh, crunchy roll uh, release. Yeah. Um, I will, definitely have access to it because i will be watching this as it comes out and i will i will i will share that around um (laughs) how do you you feel how do you feel about men with chainsaw faces um looks absolutely i don't want to say terrifying but it does look different like when the chainsaw was coming out of his head because the whole time i was like what is chainsaw man how is this thing because sparks was talking about how it looks good and i was like yes it does look good but what is this all about the fact that you have a guy who's like part human, part devil, and he can turn himself into the Chainsaw Man, and it's it looks great. The you're right, the action looks good, the animation's stunning, and I also downloaded Manga Plus, so I can I'm trying to get through the legal stuff right now, so I can add Chainsaw Man to my to read list. God, yes, I would love, I would love it. It's 91 chapters, baby, Chainsaw Man. Um, just to recap for Brandon, now that Brandon's back, I will let him know. Uh, yes, Chainsaw Man is releasing this whole first season. We'll tell the entirety of the part one story, which is fantastic. Um, and it will it will be broken up by 12 and 12 episodes. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy to be here with this incredible, incredible... Uh, I, I don't want to overhype it, but I'm so excited for you guys to check it out. I am... There's a lot of manga on here. Wow. Uh-huh, yeah. You guys oh, can have a great God. time with this. Oh, my God. Oh, this is the, all, and it's all free. The the Shame. the toilet seat fell. Oh, while I was peeing. Oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's unfortunate yeah. for you. So it <laughs> it, was an it looks like it's up to chapter fifty for free. They have up okay. to chapter fifty. Oh, oh no! no if you okay. go to the next I'm page, getting... then there's the rest. Oh, it's all there. It's all 101 chapters in there. Oh my god. Yes. Damn, uh, part as I said, part two recently started. Okay. Um, and so I'm reading. I'm reading that. Uh, right now. Uh, really great. Um, it, the intention does seem to be, and I'm glad um, they will not uh, do the next chunk of Chainsaw Man until part two is officially done in the manga, which is great. That's what you want. You are going to be completely satisfied with part one. You don't immediately need the next part of the story. It's totally, it has an ending. It's great. Love it. Too um, 
it looks so good. Brandon, you wanted to say some stuff about Chainsaw Man? No, I wanted to say something about the next one. Oh, okay, got you. Uh, yeah. But you want to see Chainsaw Man, right? That looks so it looks good. Looks very good. It looks very good. Oh my god, I'm so excited! I love the, I love, I love the animation like a lot. I re- when when you know there's money behind animation, then you feel like the he can like see the movement. One of my favorite things about animation, about anime specifically, um, is like how like speed is portrayed and like how like camera like the camera like zooms around like the speed lines and they mm-hmm. just like and like i just think that's really cool fluidity want to yeah. talk about cyberpunk edge runners oh shit. listen guys real quick real quick welcome to night city where chrome exceeds the flesh that immediately is like a banger line and then i watched this trailer which is a three minute long trailer it's a long it's pretty it was pretty long at least the version i watched um this looks insane and yeah. it doesn't just look insane because it's trigger uh as a fan of the game um they aren't just doing the thing where oh it takes place in a cyberpunk universe this takes place in the exact in the locations of the game it is the exact same city is the same side characters it is the locations you go to in the game so i was recognizing shit in this trailer from playing that game for 60 hours. And I think that is a really cool way to incorporate, you know, doing like multimedia uh, representation, like with a franchise, but actually like feels in, in the game. It's really cool. Some of the, some of the visuals in this thing were, were blowing my mind. Like the thing about cyberpunk that's so cool is like people are robots. Uh, the, the chrome exceeds the flesh and hands become guns. Hands become mantis blades. There's net hacking going on. People's people get suicided. Uh, you can kill other people with their net hacking. Um, this is one of the coolest trailers I've ever seen in my life. I, so, okay. So, so thanks to Michael, our friend, when we went to see watching, when we went to see, well, I, we watched Promare together, myself, Sparks and Michael, yep. um, Promare, one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my freaking life. Um, I, uh, seriously guys, religious experience, but like, so he told me that like the person that I really like isn't Trigger. It's um, Hiri, Hiriyuki Im, 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 Imaishi. Imaishi, yeah. um, He's the guy who he's the guy who created Gurren Logan, Kill a Kill. He there are two Studio Trigger episodes in Star Wars Visions. He directed the Twins, which is I think is the superior one, mm-hmm. uh, and he was the director for Premiere. So it's this guy, and he's the lead director and creator of Cyberpunk Edge Runners. So yeah. I'm like, this is. Guys, I'm so excited for the show. This is one of my most anticipated shows. For real. Period. It's it's true. I'm glad you brought that up because Studio Trigger is a very good animation studio. They do have their misses, usually not because of animation, but because of narratives. Um, specifically, mm-hmm. I remember talking to you guys about um, Brand New, Brave New Animal, um, mm-hmm. which uh, was really pretty and had a really great setup and then ended in a horribly like supporting, like the bad version of Zootopia supporting racist uh, mm-hmm. concepts of its animal uh designs and like woof, bad bad ending um so uh imaishi being involved gives me like 1000 percent. oh it's gonna be so good because imaishi does not mish he's this is the thing that he did this is like he did premiere and then the twins and then this so like i'm man i'm so god kill a kill is so good girl log is so good i'm so stoked for this because it's again He's one of my favorite directors. Yeah. Like, period. Like, I'm so excited to see this because he's involved in it. Any other, if it was any other person doing Cyberpunk 2077, I honestly would not care because mm-hmm. I've, I've never played that game. But it's him 
this got me so damn hyped. Yeah. The and the thing that is that is so crazy about this is like they are throwing every cyberpunk like weapon, uh, ability, character look, like everything in the kitchen sink into this. There are so many abilities that I know I've used in the game. Specifically, like the thing where like the arms come apart or the hand becomes like the ten like bullets. I'm just like that's so cool. It's it's so good, and it's and specifically like, again the the one time I showed you the game sparks where the dudes like zip zapping around like an agent, like that's that's like fully featured. I'm just like man, they get it. They don't just get how how cool the world is. It's also like really well animated. Um, yeah. It's like a perfect melding of like two different things into a beautiful product. Like I am too hyped with you, yeah. Brandon. Very excited. Very so excited. excited for this. Hell yeah. Great, great anime trailers. Great anime trailers. Love it. Cars on the road. You guys can have this one. Great I figured... anime trailers. Great, great <laughs> anime trailers. I think your Sparks and I are probably the only two who have in the passing interest in this. Yeah. yeah. I just want to watch, honestly. Because this looks yeah. kind of cool. Or, I think, I think, you. I think Cars is frankly at its best. Um, besides Cars 3 just being a good story. Um, mm -hmm. Put that aside for a moment. Cars is at its best when it's like having fun exploring the world that it crafts of if Cars were real and what we do with it. Mm -hmm. So the idea of a road trip to further do that is A+. plus. I, I think like doing like small little vignettes in that world, um, I think that's always a fun way to engage with Cars. Yeah. I think it looks really uh, inventive also. There's a lot of really cool set pieces it looks like. Yeah, um... Yeah, I, I think it, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Like it, it, like I said, you know, that's when cars I think exceeds uh, is yeah. when it's just enjoying things it can do because of the quirkiness of its world. And I, I, uh, was, thinking, I, I was thinking that like I probably wouldn't be as interested in this if Cars Three wasn't so good because I really like Cars Three. I think that movie's great. Um, yeah. And so like maybe if that was the case if that movie didn't come out like cars 2 to cars on the road maybe i wouldn't be too interested in this but i do think there's actually a, a, quite a lot in this world that we're seeing between lightning and, and mater i think the trailer though is ba badly cuts lightning's lines mm -hmm. uh i don't think owen wilson is talking in the scenes that he, they've featured him in yeah i that it's happens weird. a lot with with these kinds of trailers but i think you're probably right um i'm probably in the same boat brandon i think i'm in a very positive place with cars because of cars 3 and where i'm like yeah mm -hmm. i can i think also like i think it's nice to have this because cars 3 prominently did not feature mater um mm -hmm. mater is in about two scenes of cars 3 um it's just not focused on their friendship because that's not the story uh so bringing giving you kind of like here's cars and here's lightning and mater though uh, as like a fun aside, I think is is a good idea. I do hope there is some reference to Cruz or Cruz's appearance mm -hmm. um, in it, uh, just because I think Cruz was a important character for Cars Three. Um, but it's also it's fine if there isn't. Sally is his girlfriend, right? Sally's his girlfriend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's back. Uh, I recognize her voice. She's back. Yeah, Bonnie Hunt. Um, yeah. It sounds like they've got the entire voice cast back. Yeah, uh, which doesn't surprise kind of, me. This is kind of cool because like. You know, you can tell that like Monsters at Work wasn't done by Pixar in house. It was done by Disney Animation sure, because yes. this is uh -huh. this is on the level of what I expect from a Pixar animation. Yeah, um, it's very much like when they do the toys, the dedicated Toy Story shorts, which yeah. also, which also notably like Pixar does very well with taking their IP franchises and doing small stories with them. Toy Story yeah. exceeds very well with this. A lot of the Pixar shorts that are set in the worlds of uh, the the Incredible shorts, the Monsters Inc. shorts, they're all very good they know how to take these characters and do little small fun stories pixar is very good at that so yeah. i suspect this will be very entertaining 
I'm excited for that new show that they're doing, the one that's by the guy who did Luca. Yes. Uh, I forget the name of the, that. The baseball one? Yeah. Yeah, I forget the name of it too, but yeah, I'm excited about that too. Pixar's first like dedicated television show. Yeah. All right, then Star Wars Andor. Oh my god. My god, oh my right? God. This is going to be this is going to sound like a dig and it's partially a dig. Um it's nice to see Star Wars actually have a television show. <laughs> I was going to say like this reminds me of Star Wars fan films you'll see on YouTube but like in a good way. Um, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, you know, we're focused on what we can do with the world of Star Wars at hand and uh like there's that particularly there's that shot where someone's like walking through the woods and the star destroyer like comes over there and i'm like this is this is this is the dream um yeah. <laughs> this is just like living in the world of star wars is what we're doing um we see such incredible shots uh that we're gonna be like i'm so glad we're gonna be at the senate we're Me gonna too. see stellan skarsgård playing both sides along with mon mothma um I think this There's, is going to be. I think this is going to be the best Star Wars show. The the espionage aspect of Mon Mothma. Uh, I'm, I gotta I gotta put this out there. I have such a huge crush on that actress right now. Um, <laughs> my God. Um, but she's like. But she's like. Um, if they think uh, if they if they don't think I'm a threat, maybe they won't see what I'm really doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, and I, I I didn't know Saul Guerrero was in this. We didn't. This was that uh, we suspected that like probably. Yeah. Um. But like getting him and Selim Skarsgård talking to each other, I was like, "Oh my god!" And oh my I god! I love seeing like Proto Saw before he becomes like Darth Vader Saw. Jeez, um, I, oh, I, mm, I was so I was so hyped after this trailer. Like I was after this trailer, I was like, "Oh my god!" This, I, I, if you had told me that a prequel to a good movie with with quite honestly thin characters looks like the best Star Wars TV show. I would have called you insane. It's it's the it's the thing for me that what's so exciting about the show is while they are grounded to a specific time period, they're not grounded by any characters. So they can do whatever they want. That's that's why I'm so excited. They could tell any story they want with all of these made up characters. They don't have to worry about Obi-Wan or Darth Vader having anything to be predestined. They can just tell a story about how the rebellion got formed in any way they want. And it looks as gritty and uh, like and like dark as Rogue One, which is great. I'm so I, I was honestly nervous about Andor because it was taking so long for us to get any more about it after they announced it as like one of the first shows they announced. Yeah, um, it was that and Mandalorian. And it's taken so long to get here. But honestly, if this is the product we're getting, I'm so pleased. I do not think I am being hyperbolic when I say this is the most excited I've been about a Star Wars project based on a trailer since yes. The Force Awakens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Honestly. I don't think a Star Wars trailer since then has gotten me this excited for a Star Wars. I certainly was hyped for the last Jedi trailer. I think this is the same. I think this is the same reason I was hyped for the last Jedi trailer, but I think force awakens, like that was higher the anticipation of the product. And I think it's for exactly what you brought up, Brian. I feel unbound. I feel like all possibilities are here. Uh, There's all these shots of the Imperials uh, in their white coats and talking about their strategies. And I'm like, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting the Star Wars like politics show. We're getting it. This and is we're seeing it's happening. We're seeing Andor. Um, like he he's like whether it is early on and he's joining the Empire just to join it, or he is like he is subverting and he's like being a, a spy from the beginning. I think that's excellent. Like again, this is the thing we've always wanted. We've always wanted the, the political Star Wars show. And the thing I was always worried about is, and again, this is this is gonna sound disrespectful, but like. I don't want the politics of Star Wars. I don't want that show to be like Mandalorian or Boba Fett. I need it to be a little seedier, a little darker, more like Rogue One. 
which is like bad shit is bad, bad people exist right like shit can get real uh and this is giving me that like it feels like gritty and i don't want to use the word real but like it's like just actors doing their shit and we're we're like in the open and like you in know like what's, minimal cgi i'm like man you know, you know what's interesting about what's interesting about it also is that and people brought this up with Obi-Wan. And I don't think this is a this is a this is a mean to say, but Obi-Wan has very little in the way of aliens. Right? Uh-huh. Obi-Wan looks cheap. We yes. talked about it in our thing. Obi-Wan looks like a cheap show. It should not have been the cheap show, but it looks like it was cheap. Um yeah. this does not. This looks like there is a lot of money that was put into it because in every scene, there is a different alien. Every scene of this trailer, there is a different alien. And there are Ooh. there are uh, they are able to do what Rogue One did very well with the special effects. If you recall, like the Scarif scene, like it, it's very much taking the visual language of Rogue One and adapting it for a television show in a way that doesn't make this look like it's cheap. It looks like it is on the same scale of what we come to recognize with Star Wars. We see these guys again, and I I love them. They are yeah. so weird and spooky. I love mm-hmm. those guys. What a what a great cast. Um... Honestly, yeah, the moment that, that one of those guys showed up, I was like, Saw is here, right? And then we get to yeah, Saw yeah. I'm like, oh my god. Oh my god, we're Oogly, doing it. I think, I think uh, like, I don't want to get too ahead of it or anything, but I feel like we're going to do some time jumping around Andor's they've already, life they've said and everything. That. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so hyped because, like, I know the goal of the show, like, once we get to the end of season two, is to kind of get us to the beginning of Rogue One, essentially. Like, more or less, so we see how we get to that clear path. And I really hope that we get to indulge in the time because, like, the rebellion had to start a while before Rogue One, yeah. and I feel like we're really going to get the juiciness of that. I, I can't and tell you how hype like the shot of the Senate from above with the seat moving in and like going to Coruscant and seeing them like going down to the CD levels and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I, I'm I'm really happy about the practicality, but I'm really happy we're going to get some stuff on Coruscant. Oh, I'm yeah. really excited for the Coruscant stuff. You have no idea how excited I am. Just the, I saw the Senate. Um, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, now that we've gotten that 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 Ian McDermott will come back, we we're definitely gonna get like it's Emperor Palpatine, and I'm here for the Senate. What's up, y'all? Yeah. I'm a good guy. Scott, that's really good. Like, oh, and this is the like, cameo I want. There's like so much. There's so much in this that like just super excited me. What the like the ah uh, darn it. You got um, the oh the the rebellion. Like you know, you're, you're right, Sparks. Like the rebellion had to start earlier than rogue one but what rogue one does that a lot of people <coughs> often miss i'm not saying we did but like it's the first time that the different rebellion factions teamed up to fight right. the, the empire that's right. what rogue one is rogue one is the first time that all the different rebellions came together as one to declare open war warfare against the empire the rebel alliance right and and, and so like that's what rogue one is and what we're going to see is because we see in rebels you know, Rebels is the other side of Andor, right? Rebels is the, we see so we see the the rebellion building in, in in Rebels. Now we see Andor, the seedier side of the of the rebellion. How the seedy side of the rebellion the, started. The human, the human side. Yeah, and we're gonna get and we're going to see those desperate because there's a line of like there are pockets forming. There are pockets of resistance forming. God, like, you, oh my God, do you think there will be like some some Rebels nod? eventually yes. in andor to like where they were because like my, you're already my, gonna have hera cast yes my guy absolutely i think we see thrawn oh god 
I definitely, I 100%, I don't know how much Rebels stuff there will be, but I 100% guarantee Rebel stuff it will be in the show. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do too. That, that shot of Stellan Skarsgård walking into the, into like the Coruscant room where he's in the like purple and gold robes with the long yes. hair. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited and, like, for this. What's, what's, what's so cool, what's so cool is like to see, that, okay, I'm not going to be sad if we don't see Thrawn. I want to put that out there. I do think it's possible that we could see Thrawn. Um, but like, you, you have the, you have you can have a little bit of, of crossover. And what's really cool about this show is that they did say there's two, two seasons and the second season is going to jump around a lot, uh, jump, keep jumping yeah. forward in time. Um, and that's not necessarily the case of the first season, but there is a time jump in the first season. Um, there's a lot more of this season that's already of, of the second season. The second season is already halfway done filming, right? Like that, that, that they are, they are putting episodes in the bank. They're like, we're, we got something here and we're putting them in there and we're getting, we're getting these the, ready. The reality is like, honestly, if the cast had no more people than what I saw in this trailer, I'm still hype as hell. Yeah. I don't care. Like I, this is, this is the rogue one prologue I wanted. And we're going to get, Oh, I'm so get, happy. I'm so second happy season, this. Second season's got to have K2SO. <sighs> I just, so um, one of the Imperials, uh, I, I don't know his name, but he's Tiber from Game of Thrones. Oh, he's, the, he's, he's the necromancer, so I'm like, he's a good bad guy. Oh, he he's ooh, so lining their pockets. They're rich and fat. This is, oh, I this can't is gonna wait. be this is gonna be so good, and I bet it's gonna bridge really well. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some bridges that we're gonna see from um, Bad Batch season two to yeah. here. And um, the, the, the with the Imperial 12, stuff, the twelve episode format. I wonder if this was Disney going, okay, we've done, we did the six. Might, might not have worked 12 really worked so like that's why maybe that's how they got daredevil 18 it's like we we now see a trajectory of trying to do the longer form storytelling because andor really worked um yeah, I'm, just, I'm so excited, I'm so excited. 12 episodes it, it, tw- 24 total episodes like that's a lot of that's a lot of grit this is what i 24 gritty episodes <laughs> that's all i wanted it's, it's good truly truly so so happy that this is in the immediate star wars future ben you've said almost nothing what's up <laughs> you guys kept on going so yeah i'm i'm excited for andor it looks great i love how i didn't think we we're gonna get to see Saul Guerrero. we are um Mom, i agree Mom, with yeah. I, I i agree with ryan this is this looks like a star wars television show this looks like a, a good no not just a good a great star wars television show and not an elongated film so yeah. i'm i'm ready for it i want to see this looks I'm, like this looks like mandalorian season one yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, because Mandalorian season one is is not is not necessarily a serialized story. It's very episodic, um, with an overarching background plot, and this feels very much in the same vein. This looks like, frankly, this looks like what people wanted, which is Game of Thrones and Star Wars, and it looks of that level. Yeah, yeah. And what's what, what is not often the case, but like. I, it's always cool, like when you watch these trailers. Like, I bet a lot of this footage is still is also from the early episodes, which is always fun. Because, like, I wonder how much we're not seeing, uh, which is for twelve episodes is a lot of real estate, man. That's crazy. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so ready. September, right next month. September, September twenty first. Hell yeah! You heard it. You heard it from Big Bentley himself. Super excited for this one. <laughs> Bringing it back. All right, <laughs> shall we do our main topic? All right, full spoilers for the latest Predator film, Prey. Dan Trachtenberg's, only Dan Trachtenberg's second feature film after 10 Cloverfield Lane. Too little, if you ask me. Big TV director, though. 
Uh, he's directed like one episode of three shows. That's big in my book. Because <laughs> um, uh, I looked up his IMDb and I was like, surely he's done more. But no. Takes his time. Um, he did direct one episode of The Boys two seasons ago, I think. Um, anyway, Prey. What do we think about Prey? Real yeah, quick, no. before you answer, I want to know one thing from everyone. What language track did you watch? You know which one I picked, Sparks. You know the real deal. I do know which one you picked. Ben? English. Okay, Brandon? English. Okay, cool. Ryan and I watched Comanche. So okay. I just wanted that in our brains going forward for the discussion. Um, go ahead. But what do we think about it? Uh, I think it's incredible. I had a great time. Ryan? I think this is, this is uh, easily the best Predator movie. Ben? I really enjoyed it. I just wish I wasn't jet lagged when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's okay. Stop it. Oh, I, I saw your letterbox. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I've seen your letterbox. I know what yeah. you thought. Uh, no, it's it's the it's it, it's my favorite Predator movie. Uh, it surpasses Predators. Um, mm-hmm. This is uh, this is the movie I I needed it to be. Um, because you guys watched it in English, I have a question for you. Uh, did did they translate the French for no. you? Okay, no. so they just let uh, no. that. Great, they don't translate it for us either. That's so all. I figured, happens... they, I figured they wouldn't. So what happens is in the Comanche dub. Um, you obviously are hearing the, the Comanche voice actors and then the French, uh, because like you're getting the translation subtext subtitles for the Comanche, you just get the French. Like you're yeah. just seeing French on the bottom of the screen when the French are talking, which I'm like, it made me really happy. There is no right or wrong way to watch this movie. It made me really happy to have chosen the Comanche because it made me feel completely in the element of it. I yeah. was only hearing languages I didn't understand, which made me feel completely in the period piece of it. Um, so what's interesting about that is I felt much the same way, um, you know, because I'm I'm always of the like the, the the way my head works is if I'm watching a film set in a different time period with a different language and they're speaking English, my brain just says, oh, I'm just hearing the translation. Sure. Yeah. I've got like a universal translator in my head and I'm just hearing it. So like what I really so so for me, I had very much the same uh, the same experience because when he's speaking French. I can understand Naru, but I can't understand the Frenchman. That's right. the, that's what you're supposed to feel. You're supposed to feel alienated by this people because it's a language that you can't understand. I'm really glad of that, which is why I asked specifically if you guys had it tra- if it was translated for you, because yeah. that was going to bum me out if it if it was. But I'm glad that you're just not supposed to, unless you understand French. You're not supposed to understand them. Um, I took I took two years of French in high school, and I had no clue what they were saying. Yeah, there is a single line of English in the movie, and a Frenchman says, "You son of a bitch," and I thought yeah. that was. There, there are multiple. This is maybe one of the best ways of them incorporating like catchphrases and stuff from yes. the other movies. They feel so natural; they never feel out of place. Like I'm not yeah. going, "Oh, it's the thing." I'm like, "Oh, damn, that was pretty." That was pretty there's funny. only there's only one kind of Leo DiCaprio point of the TV moment that I had, uh-huh. um, and and for the most part, I never caught any of the reference dialogue except for "If it bleeds, we can kill it." Uh, come Which on, feels, come on, do it now at the end is, is straight. It feels on. it feels sure. so natural the way that they did the if it's bleeding because they don't even say the exact same words, which I really yeah. appreciated. Yeah. Um but so, like, but like, the, the, that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Like I I know that they had the reference dialogue, a lot of it. Um it's but the fact that it felt so natural and it didn't feel like it, they were pointing it, they were pointing a finger at look, this is the reference dialogue. Yes. I never caught it until after it happened. It yeah. made it made complete sense for that to be their logic that like this is something we've never seen before, but it's bleeding. 
that means we can kill it. And like that, that, that felt completely, God, it, it played so well. Um, I truly encourage if you are going to watch Prey again, give the Comanche dub a a go. Um, I think it's, I think it's wonderful that they made it. I wish the film had frankly just been made that way. Um, but it's, but the fact that they made the dub track, we talked about it before, but I'll talk about it here just in case nobody heard us talk about when they announced that they were releasing the Comanche dub. Um, very few films ever get Native American dub tracks. Um, it's a handful. And the fact that this one got one and that the actors all got to come and do it themselves is really rare and very special. I'm really glad they did it. And props to them for, for doing it. I think the actors do a great job of bringing their uh, emotions to the table in the Comanche dub as well. Oh, yeah. Um, really excited about it that's that's all i really want to highlight about that specifically i highly encourage if you have the opportunity to check it out that way to do so this movie is it's it is so first of all it's really smart and it's so expertly crafted because it's tight and knows exactly what it is i think this has some of the i think this might have like the strongest opening of a movie in a while simply so because good. just because it gives you everything you need to know about your character within five minutes you yeah. see, you see how 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 good she is at combat she's training you see that she's an animal lover she's a great person you see she's a family woman you also see that she's an incredible tracker so we're they give us all of this information within like five ten minutes and then the rest of the movie is you're with the character you like and it's just it was so smart and it's so and, and just that's where the film feels like an old, an older film, right? Because that's also the eighties film. That's also predator. Yeah. Like there's a lot of films. We know everything we need to know about Indiana Jones in the first five minutes of that, in that movie. We know everything we need to know about Dutch in the first five minutes of that movie. And that's, that's how those movies were built. Nowadays we have much longer experience, much longer journeys with movie with characters. And like, you know, that has its place, but like, it, it felt like a film. It, it felt like a predator movie. Yeah. Right. It didn't feel like a, it felt at, at times a movie that a predator was dropped into and a predator movie. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where it's, it's, it's very much, lies. very much in a similar way to his last movie. where like, it, it, it kind of stands alone before it becomes the genre thing. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what's important about these types of movies is like, it, it's a genre mashup, but like the movie's got to be good first before the genre comes in. Otherwise I'm not yeah. going to care that you're killing these people. I think that's why I think that's why the pre- the predator fails, and mm-hmm. in, in, in some ways the predator fails because it's it starts as a predator movie. It is a movie about the predator coming to Earth. We open mm-hmm. up with an action scene of two predator ships firing on each other. Yeah, right. Uh, and then from then on, we but we don't get that at any other predator movie, including Predators, because for the most for most of Predators, you're just trying to figure out what the hell's going on, where these characters are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, I think they do. I go ahead if you add more to that thought. Oh, I want to talk about the writer real quickly, but if you have something else. Sure, no, 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 go ahead. Okay, so the writer is called Patrick Asen. Um, and I thought this guy was really interesting. Um, and I was, I, I love Amber Midthunder in, in this movie, but so I always good. felt like, I always felt like she was an interesting choice because the only thing I, I recognize her from is from Legion, mm-hmm. um, which I really like her in. This, this writer was a consultant on Legion, where I assume they met. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Since then, this guy did not, was not a film writer he has only been a producer on Treadstone, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, and Kingdom, where he wrote one episode of each show. Amazon, man. And then he wrote Predator. That's his first feature. And I think this is a hell of a debut feature. You mean Prey. Prey. Prey, Prey, sorry. Yeah, I think no, this yeah. is a hell of a debut feature. It feels like he, he like, he's, he's, he, I always wanted to write something, and this was, he gave it a shot, and it worked. It worked. Yeah. I, I really love how compact this movie is mm-hmm. 
it doesn't drag. It does not once does it drag. There's always something going on. Um, I love how um, Naru like. I love how she becomes she embraces her inner scorpion with the with the axe and the and the leash or the the tug. Wicked, I wicked. Love, I love that weapon so I much. Love I love it too. But also, I just love how the predator for still we only get back shots of the predator in the beginning of the film. We only get see him within the cloak. We only see the predator. We don't see like the predator's face or even with the mask on until I don't know, like halfway through the movie, give or take. Just about, yeah. Yeah, and then we don't see the actual face of the Predator until close to the end of the third, until the third act. And I just love how the I still I don't really see this as a horror movie, but I do see this as a thriller because you're constantly wondering like, who's the Predator going to get? How are they going? How are they going well, to fight? Importantly, fight back against the Predator. How? How is this going to be? Ben, importantly, Ben, we talked about this before when I when when we talked about like how AVP succeeds where um, Predator versus Jason doesn't. The Predator works in an action horror setting. Always. Mm-hmm. Every single one of their mo- of the successful films are action horror films. Um, and this is no different. This has horror elements. In fact, in some places, it's pretty scary in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought so anyway, because there's a giant snake. Um, <laughs> and then, See, I, so. I just want to piggyback off that, because I, I, I kind of agree with Ben. I think like this film succeeded by not chasing the horror elements. Yeah. Um, thriller. Ben is correct. I think that this is much more action thriller. Um it it makes it it feels much more grounded into like uh while the predator is mysterious while the predator is advanced in a way um it never feels like completely supernatural beyond because yeah. it's always incrementally upping its game of yes. hunting them um it's very well done in the sense of like what does it the snake goes to strike it does a speed strike to take out the snake it wrestles with uh its prey that it's chasing it only goes to projectile after arrows have been brought out by the matches by the mm-hmm. comanches it only matches up to what its prey is doing uh and i think that makes it feel much more like uh, primal in a sense and it makes it feel much yeah. more in that thriller vein rather than like um the completely outmatched level that that uh the, the original the predator necessarily has with its horror elements of how it's how it's stalking and its mm-hmm. power set you've got you brought up an interesting point i wanted i wanted to kind of like circle around which is um the predator uh the predator attacking different species it, it's such an interesting shorthand because we know from ancillary material the interactive birds like oh what if this is the first time the predators came to earth mm-hmm. um you know but the film shows you that that is potentially what's happening here because yes. it's not immediately going after people. It's finding the stronger predators mm-hmm. on the planet each time. I yeah. love, but the introduction scene is, is brilliant because it's, sh- it's the circle of life, baby. It starts with an ant. Yeah. And then it goes to a, and then it goes to a little mouse. Then it goes to a snake. And then he's like, all right, snakes clear the biggest thing around here. I'm gonna kill the snake. And then he sees there's a wolf. And then he sees there's a bear and then he sees there's a human and then he yeah. sees there's a lot of humans. And he's, he, what I love about this movie is like, I thought this movie was going to be way less predator centric. I honestly thought like in lower budget movie, the predator would be in like a third of the movie. The predator is in this movie a lot, yeah. way, mo- way more action than I expected. I have never been more happy to see a bunch of white people show up because I knew <laughs> they were going to die. Cause I was like low body count for this movie, but I'm not mad about it. Then the French showed up. I'm like, Oh, they're all getting massacred. 
the predator uh, gets. Oh, God, I want to say two things real quick to what you just said. That scene taking out all the Frenchmen. I'm like, this is the this is the no man's land Wonder Woman scene. For I the thought predator. it too. Incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, so good. Okay, but I want to say I think this is this film has the best utilization of the invisibility tech mm -hmm. uh, for the predator. I think it uses it the best um, as as uh, as for hiding it and for visual storytelling and it's the, not as advanced about, the scene you just talked about with the ant the it has been alluded to the eventual reveal scene of its face uh not its full but like with the with the helmet on um and it's still mostly like that is that is like the closest well, the I think blood to like the blood uh, pouring down from the bear that's really good too yes but yeah. the the um first time they really see the predator the comanches really see the predator and that it's still mostly invisible it's just like its top parts are coming through and it roars at them um so good that is like uh well it doesn't like scare me it's like it, it is horrifying for them yeah. what they are seeing happen before them i think is so cool that bear scene you're also right is great use of the invisibility the way it, it drenches down i think I it's was... so good I wanted to bring up because we keep talking about the invisibility of it, but I love that the predator's invisibility has always just kind of been shit. Like it's just always, ne it's just never been good. In the I past, love... it was it was worse, but it's never quite good. And like, I, yeah. there's 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 like stuff in like the predator too that I really like, where it's like Donald Glover, like because you can see the predator if you're like looking at, right at it and it's yeah. moving. You can see the predator uh, even in the future. And like Donald Glover has this thing where he sees the corner of his eye, he like points the gun at the predator, and the predator's just going like. <laughs> did he see me who me <laughs> and so like i always i always just kind of appreciate that it's, it's this long-running issue in the films that the predator's cloaking is just terrible i love the the i was gonna say evolution but it's honest it's de-evolution of the tech because he has me all too. the same he has all the same tech it's just again it's not as good as it yeah. as it's it was kind of already shitty and it just kind of got even shittier <laughs> uh i loved I was so surprised and pleased when the three the three dot laser is barbs instead of a cannon. Yeah, uh, I thought that was such a good like de-escalation of the technology, but like still still like lethal to the tracking yeah. tracking shot, and then it's a and then it's a loop around to the ending, which like I got, I didn't even see it coming <laughs> when you saw when you had the three lasers and like one drifts down. I went and I was what? like, wait, what? <laughs> And it's so it's really cool because if you're like in Predator lore, and like if you're if you're like me, who's just like I, yum 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 yum, give me the yaucha, give me the yaucha lore. It, it kind of like creates an origin for why it's three lines. Yes, it, it was. It's because it could aim in different spots, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that that's I think really yeah. that's a really logical way to de-escalate that that weapon. I um, love how the prayers main like the, the lethal because i was expecting i was thinking like they're not gonna introduce like laser cannons right because like an avp where you get the, the arm the shoulder cannon yeah i'm glad that it's still like this is 300 years before or like yeah 300 years before the first first predator film sure. and we get to see the this predator use a projectile weapon but it's still a scientific projectile weapon but it still fits 300 years gravity back. crossbow basically essentially and yeah it, and, it, and and it works because it's like it, it works because if you're if you're set if you're sending something back 300 years and this is a this is a creature that we know updates its technology to become a much better hunter every single time and so like it makes sense that 300 years ago it wouldn't have had the same technology. It has some of the staples, like it can still see infrared and still cloak. Um, but most of the time, it, it 
that technology would have been progressive over time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you you can't bring it back down to you can't bring it back down to where it has no projectile weapons because then that jump is too far. Yeah. So it has to have a lesser projectile weapon. I love that like he's not wearing much armor and then he gets messed man it's he's tough but he gets messed up in this movie by yeah. a lot of different things. I he really gets like bitten, shield, scratched, attacked, uh, 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 shot, uh so many different things and like this is like like the most like emotional a predator has ever been in a movie. Like I feel like there's one point specifically where he's just so full of these people's shit. He kills someone and he just like screams at them. And I'm like, I've never seen that in a predator movie. I don't think where like he like yells at someone he just killed because he's so mad about it. And I'm like, there's, this is awesome. There's some excellent action sequences. We talked about like the no man sequence. Every single one of those kills is brilliant. There's a bit with the bear trap where I was like, what's he got on his arm? And he just he throws the bear trap over uh, uh, on the tree to like spin it, grabs it, and throws it at the guy to cut his head. I was like, oh damn! I, I thought the bear traps were. I thought at first it was weird because there was the bear traps, and I'm like, I don't know if the predators would make just human looking bear traps, but I accepted it for how it was. Then the French came in. I'm like, oh, this movie just got better. I yeah. can't. How does it keep and, doing it? Yes, yes. I thought they did a good job with the tee up of the bear trap early mm -hmm. on too. And uh, when when she gets caught in it, the predator comes up to her and he's like, this isn't how I want to catch you. This is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so good. Um, the tall his, grass. His the code. tall grass just massacring her friend. <laughs> just the blood just spattering. Oh everywhere. yeah, <laughs> the mist. Oh um, boy. Uh, the I want to praise the sound design. I think the sound yeah. design for Predator is super good because they didn't just use the old sounds. They made new versions mm -hmm. of the sound. So it's still the iconic clicking, but it's different. It's not the same. It's a different sound. The roar is different. It's not it's like, the same It's like sound. Yaucha's like meaner cousin showed up or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they gave it its own personality and its own sound design rather than just rehashing the sound effects. I thought that was this a really also... cool move. This is also such a drastically different look for the Predator, while still also being in the, uh, a design uh, influence of it. Because the mandibles no longer go over the mouth, they're on its side always. Yeah. Um, and the mouth is much wider than we've seen before. And mm -hmm. it's so interesting to see, like, I like the design a lot. Um, I just want to say that. But it, it is interesting how how drastically different the design we, to what we what we know as the Jungle Hunter 300 yeah. years from now is. We've seen and we've seen them doing this more and more with whether it's the comics, the games or even Predators, where they're trying to expand on like the Predator can look different. It's yeah. not all like, you know, just as people look different, like the Predator can look. There are variations to how they look. They yeah. are not uh, all uniform. just like copies, uniforms of what they were in the first one. Um, yeah. And this is just another notch in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really good one. I think that there's a lot of great design stuff here. The the bulletproof the, helmet. The bulletproof helmet was such a surprise because like that oh. dude was just charging him, and I'm like, how's this gonna end? Oh, it ends with it being a ricochet bullet. <laughs> That's how. Yeah. <laughs> the that that like thing that he like that that uh, snapper. A wristband. The snap bracelet that he's got that he can like take off the, and like cut off people's legs i he, love his uh big staff that just splits in half oh and he's, he's always like he's like spinning it and stuff and i'm like yeah baby his the the old school bomb that's like three mines that come mm -hmm. up mm -hmm. uh i love that uh i i also I, I think i think maybe some of the best shots we've seen of the predator hopping tree to tree honestly yeah, yeah. looks good so many and like this movie i like I can't believe now that I've seen it, this movie wasn't in theaters. There's so many beautiful vista shots, like mm -hmm. lot, like wide open shots. Like half the time, it felt like Lord of the Rings, which her just walking with her dog. I and told I'm like man. 
I told Michael uh, like pretty early on in the film, like where it's doing the the like low buzz sound, and we're focusing on uh, Nora while uh, her brother is being praised for killing the lion. Yeah, um, yeah. and uh, and I told Michael, I'm like, they're chasing that A24 vibe, like with what they can do here. They're they're yeah, chasing yeah. it hard. Um, and I, I think for the most part, it's to their success. Yeah. What I think, what I think is interesting, what I think is good about this is, is we've talked about a lot how we want to see like this kind of period piece predator film. This is kind of the predator film we've been hungering mm -hmm. for for a while. Um, mm -hmm. And what I think worked really well about this film is the same thing that worked really well about uh, the first and honestly the second film. It's it it, it is a different movie. You're mm -hmm. watching an A24 movie about a Comanche woman trying to prove herself and her tribe, and then a predator shows up. Yeah, right. And like that's what works about this movie so well is because you, I know I know that the original plan was not to tell us that the predator was in this movie, um, and I, I I lament that we never got that. I don't think this film would have been nearly as successful uh, yeah. right away. Same. But I do lament the fact that like imagine if you were watching an A twenty four Comanche movie, a movie about a Comanche woman, and then a predator showed up. I yeah. it's it's so sad that we will never. I don't think we could ever again ever get a From Dust Till Dawn moment where people mm -hmm. go in watching a gangster movie and it's a vampire movie. I don't think yeah. we are ever going to get that ever again, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. I agree. Um, that's a, but it's it's a dream. Like one of uh, one of my buddies, um, uh, you know, it famously watched Predator the original on TV and did not see the first five minutes of the movie and therefore thought it was a Arnold in the jungle war movie and was yes. like, Oh, I've never heard of this one. And then all of a sudden there's a predator. <laughs> and <laughs> what a wild experience that must have been. Yeah. Um but but uh, truthfully, I think like this film does a really good job of easing you into like I really love we talked about the opening, but I really love the opening to the title, which is where mm -hmm. she's on the mountain. Oh, she looks mm -hmm. up in the sky and you you see the fire above the clouds of the ship, but you don't see the ship. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was such a good shot. Um and it's just like prey, and I'm like Oh, that is so good because she's just interpreting that as like something else. A bad yeah. omen. Uh, a thunderbird. Yeah, like that's incredible. That's such an incredible like ease into it. And then we do get the shot, but I also think it's really good of like we see the ship and the ship flies away, and then the predator comes up from its crouch, but we're mostly getting it putting on its invisibility, so we still don't get a good look at it. And I thought that was just so good. Something yeah. we don't get enough anymore is um uh uh what geez what's it called sand uh uh sand pits what's it called when you fall into a pit and you uh, can't get out oh quicksand. yeah quicksand quick we got a quick we got a quick swamp uh yeah. scene in here which was that's probably the scariest scene of the movie i know she's gonna survive but like when the predator gets in there and then he just stands up like it's nothing well, yes. legitimately legitimately i had i had a a, a never-ending story flashbacks from oh, that. the swamp that's the exactly swamp. that's exactly looks like the swamp where we, where we lost the horse i i was nervous yeah, yeah. we'd lost the dog because the dog had been missing yeah. right before that moment and and like you could think that the dog had gotten swallowed up quickly that dog they work he helped and they circle back like such a smart hunting <sighs> I'm dog i'm so glad that dog was not cgi same pretty much all the time yeah um so good it looks so good uh my That's only good like real knock on the film is uh, i just wish they had been given a bigger budget so the cgi of like the bear and stuff looked a little better yeah. um but i don't fault them for that like i still think it, it's it's totally watchable like i still yeah. have a great time it, it's uh doing man, it. the predator the predator versus the bear is some of the coolest fights and like we we don't even see half of that half of that fight because the predator is invisible but like you you hear the Bam! Bro, and he, her, he gets Leo DiCaprio. That he that bear eats him up first too. Right, and like in the 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 beginning of it, 
that Naru sees, I'm like, oh, it's just like some weird and half invisible fire elemental is fighting the bear, and then, and then just bleeding all over. God, it's metal, it so, so metal. Good. The final yeah. fight between uh, the, the predator and her brother. Uh, her brother goes out like a champ, killing it. Love oh, it. When he when he hears it, he's like, "Nara, you need to leave." I yeah, know yeah. this is this you got to run. Yeah, yeah, I already know. Yeah, <laughs> this is the end uh, for me. Yeah, that was such a good that was such a good death scene. Um, and her turnaround think... on the predator is also really good. Come on, and do it I now. Love the, I love the the going back to technology again, but like I've always really liked the the net, the predator net that like gets that like gets uh tighter and yes, this one is so baller. It's just it it keeps going until it goes back into the thing, just like destroys that log because it's uh. able to capture all around that that tree and it can crush it. It's so good, yeah. And that he does it after they put a net on him. He's like, you want to see a net? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um. God, it's so good. Um, it has maybe one of the most visceral, uh, just hard, hard to uh, uh versions of the predator taking a head and a spine, which is the the wolf. That was yeah. so good. Uh, that the oh way that lay down shot is, and then like when you see it, and then it takes it all out. I'm like, oh my god. That was that's when I this movie. I was like, oh, this movie's the real deal. All right. I okay. I really love the um. I really love. So I want to talk a little bit about Naru. About Naru. Um, she. One of the things that, again, this movie does really well is what the first movie does really well. Because I don't mean to bring up Twitter discourse. I apologize a little bit, but it is relevant to what I'm trying to say. People have forgotten that Schwarzenegger didn't beat the Predator by being technologically superior and stronger. He, mm-hmm. he beat it to be, by being smarter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how you beat the Predator. Everyone except for Donald Glover has outsmarted... The, not Donald Glover. Danny Glover has outsmarted the Predator. Right. Um... And so, like, what this movie does really well is, because at the beginning, we know everything we need to know about Naru. We know that she's a a smart, she she hunts smart. We see that with the lion, right? We see that with the lion. It's like, okay, if we keep hunting, if we keep going around, that lion, we may never find the lion. But if we wait here. And the brother tells her that later, too, which I think is a great moment where he's like, I I only beat the lion because of you, because of the tree. Mm -hmm. And so, like, we know that she's smarter. She's not she's not a capable physical hunter, but she's a smart hunter. And yeah. so that's and so so we know that this character is already smart enough. And so when we get to the point where she outsmarts the predator, that's how you that's how you beat the predator. Yeah. That it's so true to the to the franchise. It's so true to all the characters that have come before. You beat the predator not by being physically superior, but by being mentally superior. And they do so much setup. Because like somebody like gets hurt or somebody gets like uh, attacked and then she has this herb that helps uh, 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 cool them off and cool like the thin, blood. Yes. cool the blood and like thins the blood to make it cooler and that's how they so when she fell into the into the swamp pit I thought that that's how she figured out that predator couldn't see her because she's covered in mud yeah. but it's not that I thought that's just like a fun little thing it's like yeah. this this flower that she always uses to help people out which ends up being the savior of the thing and how when predator she can't see her. when the predator walks up up to the guy and she just steps to the side is so good yeah um i just i i just really like that that this that that, that everything that we we get because again going back to like how, how smart she is she can't she can't hunt a rabbit she's having a hard time hunting the rabbit because she's gotta she throws the axe oh miss gotta run up to the axe the rabbit's already her yards away but she's smart so she thinks of the the rope axe and and like that it she's such a brilliant antagonist who is who is wonderfully written through protagonist Protagonist, sorry, who is wonderfully written throughout um, 
that I, 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 she, she's endearing. She, she, she's exactly the kind of, I knew this watching the trailer. I knew this watching the trailer. She is exactly the kind of person that go, that goes up against the predator and wins. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she has uh, a line that I want to bring up though. Yeah. Oh. oh, I actually, I never take notes, but I took one line. Um, not every smart creature can learn. And that's yeah. the predator in his entire life. He keeps getting beat by humans. <laughs> Love it. The line that I really liked is in the line where she's talking to the, the Frenchman and the Frenchman can't understand her. Um, and the, and she has the thing where she's like, you know, everyone thinks I can't hunt and everyone blah, blah, blah. But she has this line. It's like, you can't see that. You can't see that I'm killing you. Mm-hmm. Right. And it won't either. Uh-huh. And as the predator walks up, and I just think that is so good. That's a good line. Yeah. It's, uh, God, it's it's just such a well-executed film for exactly the premise that it was it was doing. Um, I'm so glad Ooh. it was Amber Midthunder. I think she's yeah. so great in it. Yeah. I'm so glad that it's not the Comanche dub also works for me a lot um, just because like it would have worked for me anyway, but like I was, I was the reason I wish the film had just been filmed in Comanche is because the film is about so much environment storytelling more than dialogue that I'm like, you, you know, most audiences probably would have just gone for this. Yeah. If you just committed to that. Um, but I'm glad they at least did the dub track. It, 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 I think that they did the smart thing of just relying on the environmental storytelling. To be fair, I think the original Predator does that as well. At a certain point, like it just becomes about environmental storytelling more than it is about dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah look, uh, I, 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 I do think this is the best Predator movie because I look at the first Predator, which I think is awesome, um, and this movie does everything that movie does, but better and more modern and progressive. So I'm just like I. I like this is like by de facto like when I think of predator I'm gonna think of prey man like yeah. when you think of the predator as a concept this is executed as perfect as you could possibly be and it takes place and it's and it takes place in, like in the 16 1700s it's like a secret genre movie like I I know it's not gonna happen but like I would be totally happy with every year and a half two years samurai predator movie Viking predator movie Knights predator movie like the mo- it's it's so genius it's like Assassin's Creed like you could do this a hundred times and it would never get stale um right. but I know as long probably- as you as long as you dedicate to the time period and the characters yeah just make the story and, good just drop predator in and yeah, exactly that's the, that's the thing that if you want to make if you want to make a franchise of just prey movies, like you want to just you want to just like prey two, prey three, prey whatever, prey samurai pray, era, prey Camelot. But if you want to just do that, I think these films need to be defined by the fact if you're going to make more of these, they need to be defined by the fact that they are each a different movie that a predator is dropped into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, and honestly, I think the benefit of doing it more is, um, you can get to ones where like they weren't good enough to outsmart the predator. Like, frankly, yeah. they just didn't, you know, like, uh, frankly, that should be the Knights. Um, like, you just you you just have people who just aren't equipped and can't do it. And, like, it's a good story, but, like, tragically, they lose. And we can have that story where the Predator sometimes wins. Absolutely. And yeah. you can have the times where, because like, they, oh, it ends, in a, it ends in a draw, which is probably the Samurai story. Um, like, you know, like, they probably should these have, kinds of things. There probably should be stories where the Predators win, because otherwise <laughs> they keep coming back. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, like, we've seen the Predator, like, wow. what is the Predator's concept of win? Because, like, you can have the self-destruct, like, the original Predator which i was glad wasn't here um i did like the little like the bomb thing that it sets off with the wrists um i love the the fatter frenchman just like he just backs away (laughs) yeah nope yeah um i i think that you know you can have those different kinds of scenarios where like oh the predator could win this one they could end in a draw this one it can end with them winning 
over the predator um i mean like to to your point brandon the predator keeps coming back because if even if they lose that's all the more reason to go back mm-hmm. the challenge you know to, to, to it's the challenge it's to prove that they can and, like, overcome this it. is this is also kind of like where i'm sitting like this is where where prey honestly makes me more mad that the predator exists because the predator fundamentally tries to create this idea that that the reason why the predators keep coming back to earth is because they're taking this final fluid and i i don't think that's a good story oh yeah 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 i I don't think that's i don't think that's a good reason why they keep hunting and so like i going back to like basics of like prey goes back to like they're just here to hunt predator they're just here to hunt yeah predator too just here to hunt like i really like that idea and if you uh, i would kill for a movie set on the outcha home world i would kill for alien versus predator 3 i would kill for any film franchise for any film that wants to expand the predator lore but the problem is the one movie we got that did that was The Predator. So yeah. I'm far more willing to have these types of movies than that type of movie. So despite this being on on Hulu, uh, the word of mouth and the critical reception is massive. Yeah. Massive. People love this movie. Like I, I'm, we probably have to wait until after the weekend to see if there's any numbers for it. But like this movie is is a hit. Like by by do all you, accounts. So like, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really hope so. Like, I, I, I hope they see the success of this and want to. This is the direction they want to continue. Predator, the Predator franchise, in because it makes sense. You should, if you're going to do anything with the Predator franchise, you should do more of this. And frankly, the path right here that is clear to me because of what Brandon just said about wanting to like get more expansion on the Predator lore. What you do is a bunch of prey films that are period piece prey films, right? And then uh, at some point, right? Um, if you if they're all close if you get a few that are close enough in the time period you take a couple of your best ones that beat the predator they get abducted you do predators too baby yeah you do it on another alien planet they took some of the best hunters who beat their predators they abducted them and they put them on Bro. another planet oh my god oh my god big head brain here and like uh, uh naru is like let's just say it's 1700 right yeah, you yeah. have a Japan story that's like 1695. You yeah, have a yeah. you have like an England story that's in around the same time. They yeah, all yeah. it's like 1705. Everyone's a little older. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's too good. Yes. It's too good. Yes. 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 Because like because like the idea of like some of the ancillary material of predators was suggesting the idea that that the jungle hunter and the city hunter were were renegades. They were not supposed to hunt on Earth. You're supposed to take them off of Earth and put them on this game planet. Um, and that's the, like that's why the alpha predators are punishing uh, a, a one of the jungle hunters in predators. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, but that's like never stated in the film. So you can have it. Cre- you can create it like the re- the reason why that game planet exists is because they took all the ones that beat the predators and put them on that planet and hunted yeah. them again. Mm-hmm. I I. Ooh, that's juicy, Sparks. Yeah. Uh, again, again, even though it is a streaming movie, like I feel so so positive about the future for of the Predator movies. Yeah. Even if it's not Dan Trachtenberg, like if they just if they go with this model, they could they could have like a five film franchise easy and like. Yeah. Trachtenberg easy. Trachtenberg can direct whatever the hell he wants. I'll be there. He's directed yeah. two of the best. He's directed the best films in two franchises, quite frankly. Ten Cloverfield Lane and Prey. True. Um, true, true, so true. Like, on a, And honestly, Predator feels malleable enough that you have all the opportunity in the world to just yes and at any time. Every time. Oh, uh, if you if you watch the credits, there is there is a sequel tease. I want to I want to I want to talk about that. Yeah. Because there's two things at the end that I want to talk about, but I do want to bring up uh, the lion jump scare is quite good when the guy is talking about the lion and then the lion takes him. I didn't expect yes. the lion for real. Yeah. Oh, That's good. very yeah. good. I thought it was the Predator. Yeah. Uh, I was very like uh, it was funny because uh, I was watching with Michael and Michael when the the lion shows up. Michael's like, oh, it's a female lion, and I'm like, well, it's a mountain lion because we're in 
the Americas. And that's, yeah. it took me a moment to be like, why are they saying lion? Oh, we have mountain lions. That's why. Um, yeah. I think that the, the way the film is shot is really pretty. The, one of my favorite, one of the things that I've noticed that's really cool is when the torches are lit in the at night scenes, it's the light is only coming from the torches, yeah. but when they're not lit, the sky lights the, lights the ground natural lighting. And I think that's really clever because quite, because it almost makes it feel like the torches are hindering their, their eyesight than just like it being than just without the torches. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought, so, I just thought that was cool. Right. Real, real quick. I know we talked about the invisibility, but like, I really love that. Like, water water messes with it any liquid and it's like oopsie you can see it all right there and i'm just like man it's it's always been shit <laughs> no matter what i love the idea that the way naru beats it is because she noticed that the 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 the, the projectiles would go wherever the light is the yondu and i think that's a really cool um that's a really cool idea of like you know again it goes back to what schwarzenegger learned like schwarzenegger schwarzenegger got good at fighting this thing because it 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 studied it it was like oh it sees infrared oh it's blah, blah, blah. right right very much in the same vein of like oh this is a weakness that i can exploit right. i just got to get that thing off of his head yes um there's a predator 2 reference in this yes there is the gun yeah i was so damn excited when the guy turned over the gun 1715 i was like oh, predator 2 reference Oh, seventeen fifteen. Yeah, that gives us that gives us exactly when it takes place. Okay, cool, cool. Well, it's, well, in the beginning it says seventeen nineteen. Okay, there you go. Um, it's like Great Plains America, seventeen nineteen. Or whatever. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like the the gun in Predator Two, the elder Predator of the ship just just tosses Danny Glover a gun and it says seventeen fifteen. And the idea of Predator Two is supposed to be like they've been doing this for hundreds of years. And so when I noticed the time period, I was wondering like, oh, would they reference that? And so I was very shocked that they ended up doing it. Man, imagine, um, imagine that's that is, I even if that like if we're making a sequel and it's about that guy, I would yeah. I wouldn't be mad. Um, and so like the, the like the the when the Frenchman handed him the flintlock, handed Nara the flintlock, I was like, oh, it's could this be the same flintlock? Or we'll probably never get a a yes or no, and we got a definitive answer that is the same flintlock. Um, and then I was kind of like, oh, I wonder how the predator got that flintlock then, and then the credits. The credit, Ben. Did you watch the re- the whole credits? No, I did not. Once the credits okay. were over, I went to bed. I was tired. Fun, fun. So the credits are great. I love the credits. I think the credit design is really great. How it's going, going through the film again. Yeah, retelling the, same, the story. Yeah, yeah. And this Native American paintings. And after it does the title, you know, pray. It it goes back to the painting, and then the predator ship arrives. Like three predator ships three. come. Three predator ships oh. arrive. Yeah. Hinting at the fact that after Naru did this, right back. after the ceremony, they came back. Hell oh. yeah, baby. And so so that's kind of like, and you, we know from this franchise that that flintlock ended up in the hands of a predator. So Love it. that didn't so, end well. So even if there's not a sequel, that is a fun, like, we're making it connect everything together. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I love it. Uh, the implications of like, not a lot of those people survived that, that invasion. <laughs> it sucks. Um, but yeah, I... I I adored this movie because this is... got taken to the game planet with the others. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. There you go. Uh, man, remember when we made our top 10 list, y'all? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? This is such a good year for entertainment. It's oh my God. bananas. You can, you don't have to do. What if that predator ship dropped a bunch of predators around the world? And yeah. so you just uh-huh. make movies set in 1719. Yeah. 
because this, this, let's just say this is the first time like hey we found the planet with people that we can actually here so we go just... like only one of those ships is for naru the other two are going somewhere else england oh, japan are you sure it was three ships because like the predator the predator ship has three like fins it definitely on, looked, like, it definitely looked yeah, like it's three it's ships yeah, yeah okay uh i either way that was that was having just watched Predator Two. It was it was my it was my Leo pointing at the screen moment. The only one that's in this movie. Yeah. Um. This. Yeah. Uh. Final thoughts for me. I. This movie is better than I ever could have imagined. Like I had a good feeling going in, but like it gave me more Predator than I expected. It gave me more action than I expected. It gave me more heart than I expected. Like I expected it to be good, but um, this this movie it's like like we're gonna make a Predator movie, and they did a hundred and ten percent that in 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 the best best executed way possible. I love it. Parks. Yeah, I couldn't be happier with it as uh, uh, for the way that it came out. Um, Ryan, what would you rate it? Oh, actually, I have this isn't even a negative, but it is something I noticed. Um, this is it's because I watched the Comanche dub. They say I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, and that's just something I don't think a Comanche would say in 1715. And then again, that doesn't ruin the script. It definitely was written in 2022 or whatever. But he says I have to go to the bathroom, and I'm like. That was a weird sentence for a seventeen. Interesting. Fun, fun fact in the because in, I was watching the English version of, with subtitles on. He says I have to go take a squat. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird. That's a weird dub. Okay, that's fine. Right, it, it's Which, not an actual. It's just, it's just translated weird in the subtitles. It's just like like wow, that's a very modern phrase, my guy. Okay, yeah. But uh, that's yeah. so funny that the English one is is regular. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Really I would give it. it, man. I have I have no negative like I I, I I give it a ten. Like I love it. Like I have no negatives. Like I can't think of a negative thing except for the bathroom thing, which isn't a negative. Yeah. Sparks. Uh yeah, I mean I, I think that they executed on the concept perfectly. I could not be happier with how this turned out. So glad they did it. I'd also give it a ten. Ben? I would give it a nine. Solid yeah. nine. Probably Hard nine point five. I'll definitely watch I definitely want to watch this again because when I was watching it, I just I was still suffering from jet lag i was still there are parts of it especially during the scene where she was talking to the frenchman where i was almost dozing off but thankfully when the predator showed up i woke up again i really don't i don't have any negatives to say all i hope now is that we get more predator films in period pieces just like this i hope i want one in england or in the middle ages or, or maybe not in the middle ages but around that time period i want one in japan obviously i just want more predator films set in the past that's all I want. Yeah. I want a lot more Predator movies. I don't want just prequels. I want sequels. I want I want the good version of the Predator. I want what we were teased with Alien vs. Predator 3. I want Stargazer. Those, I want those movies. I want to see... I want to go to the Eucha homeworld. I don't think... It's, it's probably not possible to do it as a film. And I'll concede that for the rest of my life. But it won't deny how much I love the Eucha... I love the Predator franchise. There's so much potential that we can see from it. And this is a really incredible encapsulation of why the Yaucha, why the Predator have such uh, an incredible potential. 10 out of 10. I, I think with with Disney being the ones who are making this, not something like Warner Brothers, um, like I, I, I definitely like we're getting comics soon too. I fully expect to, I, I don't know about the Homeworld movie thing. Like, as much as I want that, that might be too much. But I guarantee you the comics are going to go so hard into that shit, man. We're going to learn We're gonna learn so much about the Yahucha more than we're gonna, we can even stand, I bet. I'm very excited. The, the Predator comic comes out in two months. I'm so excited. I'm, Hell yeah. I'm certain that as shitty as Bob Chapek is, and as much as he probably didn't care about how Prey was going to do one way or another, um, it's 
popularity, he's gone, oh, mm-hmm. what's this here? What can we do? We're getting and, that Noah Hawley alien show soon. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he takes a good lesson from this. Me too. Yeah. I hope so. Hell okay. Yeah. yeah, man, this movie, the movie. I watched this twice in 24 hours. I'm not Hell yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Bob Chapek saw like how the predator did, heard this idea of prey and went, yeah, all right. I mean, like, you know, we'll release it because it's it was in production and all that, and that's fine. And, and it's lower budget. Do something, and he's like, and he's like, maybe it will do well. Who knows? We'll see. Um, and now is looking at it and going, okay. You know what, what they didn't here? do? You know what they didn't do? They didn't cancel it before it came out. Yeah, it's true. God. Okay, well that'll do it, guys. That's the show. The no book club, but Ben book club next week. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Okay, you'll figure it out. We'll let you guys know. Um, things should be uh, posting should be back to normal by next week. I'm I am going home next week. Yeah, I hope um, I'm COVID free. Yeah, I just gotta tough yeah. it out. Just gotta tough it out so I can finally get home. Honestly, when you told us that you got COVID and right after I felt better, I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I felt bad. That's okay. I also wanted to punch you in the face then too. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. Um, ben <laughs> did give it to you, so I mean, you know, he did. I, virtual through, COVID through the screen. I was there. Kiss me through the phone. Ben. Oh. Ben went to his witch. He said, "I really need to get to London. Give this to somebody else," and it transferred to me. And Thanks, he went ben. to the Big Bentley. Thanks, Ben. I'm leaving now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben. So, so next week we're going to be doing day shift. Uh, the new Jamie Foxx vampire film um, on Netflix. So stay tuned for that. Um, also, probably a couple of specials. Uh, I think Nope and Sandman are things that we've been talking about. Umbrella Academy, potentially. Yes. Um, so stay tuned for some some of those things. Um, okay. So, uh, you can check out... Hey, guys, like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Check out all sorts of shows we have on here. Fake Nerds Watch, Basement Arcade, Basement Arcade Pause Menu, Fake Nerd Book Club, and Animation Station. All of which you can find episodes on this channel if you want to check them out. You can find our Patreon and you can find our T Public on the description below. If you want to support us financially, you can do that there. You can find our website, uh, or you can find all of the links on our website at fakenerpodcast.com, which is also linked below. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watched the live show and the rewind. Uh, we greatly appreciate all of your support. Um, thank you to Jeremy Bellucci for all the music you've heard here tonight, all the music for all of our shows. Um, you can find him at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards. Or on Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Yeah. Or Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official. Uh, That's his podcast, Suburban Proctologist. It looks like the Predator is holding my head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you to Mike Matola. Um, uh, We were hoping to get Mike on this week, this month, but that might not be happening. Sorry, Ryan Ryan brought it up, but um, great use of the Predator's neon green blood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, Uh, Just great whenever it was used. I fully expected that the poster of her covered in green was just a poster thing. Nah, she's cool at the end. She looks cool. I uh, I wish we got the Predator to talk a little bit. One of the one of the fun bits about Predator One and Two is that the Predator actually like speaks, not like the recording. There's the there's the one where he like grabs uh, where he grabs Daniel Glover and he goes mother <laughs> mother um, I I kind of like that that he didn't to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see in the future. It's not a not a deal breaker at all now it's a nine out of ten you're like yeah it's a nine out of ten now no talking anyway mike matola he does uh a couple collaborations with us there's a current collaboration that you can check out um hopefully we get him on soon it does not look like it will be this month like we had hoped but maybe soon um and he also does some of our logos for us you can find him at, at mike matola on instagram and tiktok 
And check out our How to Train a Dragon episode with him, where we where we win the How to Train a Dragon print. Mm-hmm. You'll find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast, fakenerdguys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for Screen Rant, uh, uh, Atomic Geekdom, and KaiDramaMedia.com. Ben? You can find me really not wanting to go back to the grind tomorrow at BenMega27 on Instagram, um, bleh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, and GoNintendo.com. Ryan? You could find me praying for more Predator movies at DJ Tony Snark 616 That's pray with an A. Happy holiday. And Sparks? You can find me knowing that if it bleeds, we can kill it. At Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Mag kindly, as always, says, Later, gang. Stay safe and catch you later. See you, Mag. Thanks. Thank you Thanks. For... Thanks for spending four hours with us, Mag. I appreciate you. Yeah, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcast, and Pandora. Great and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys. Stay fake, guys.